Welcome to Picks and Flicks. This is a podcast where myself, Stephen Pigeon, and my co-host, CJ Welsh, take game and movie pairings and discuss to see if they work against each other in different ways. CJ is a filmmaker and producer, and I work in production and games development. Before we start, I would like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land on which we occupy and pay our respects to elders past, present, and emerging. Sovereignty was never ceded, it always was and always will be Aboriginal land. Today's episode is about Spider-Man Miles Morales and Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. Spider-Man Miles Morales, released in 2020, is a video game developed by Insomniac and is a sequel to their 2018 game Spider-Man. In it, you play as Miles Morales, who has recently got his new Spidey powers and must protect New York from a range of new supervillains. Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse is a 2023 movie written by Phil Lord, Chris Miller and Dave Callahan, stars Shamik Moore and Haley Steinfeld and is a sequel to Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse from 2018. After reuniting with Gwen Stacy, Brooklyn's full-time friendly neighborhood Spider-Man, Miles Morales, is uh, catapulted across the multiverse where he, he encounters a team of Spider-People charged with protecting its very existence. However, when the heroes clash on how to handle a new threat, Miles finds himself pitted against the other Spiders. He must soon redefine what it means to be a hero so he can save the people he loves most. Very nice. That's a, that's a wonderful little intro we did there. I like oh, that. Yeah, good, good, got a little uh, quick summary about like, doing two spoilers, but yeah. also full spoiler warning. Massive spoiler warning, yeah. Because we're going we're gonna to get into it. I might, um, uh, you know what? Uh, I, we, I don't know if we do this regularly, but we're, I'm going to say full spoilers for all of Spider-Man canon because I like it, I'm into it, and I'm probably going to talk about stuff that if you're not super into it, it may surprise you. I think that's a very good point. Let's we'll make a point to do um, like any any iteration of Spider-Man is on the table. Yeah, comics, video games, movies, all of it. Yeah. All right, I love it. Well, okay, CJ, where do you want to start? I want to start with oh, where to begin? Okay, so Miles Morales started its life, the video game as a uh, DLC or spin-off yeah. uh, for the Spider-Man video game. And it got massive during development. And so the original Spider-Man game, the original, there's been like a hundred of the fucking things in various iterations. The one on PlayStation 4, I think it was. Oh, the, the original Insomniac. Yeah, Spider-Man. the original Insomniac one. So that one did get a couple of DLCs, but at some point they realized how big Miles Morales as, a, as its own little game could be. And so it, it sort of, it spun off into its own thing. People were very excited about it. And when it was announced, I remember people were mad because they were like, how dare you take a DLC and try to charge me full price for it? Like you announced it as a DLC and now you're going to charge me full price? I mean, it, I mean, it's definitely big enough to be its own game. And that's the thing. But also, it's the same game. It's the same game. But when it did release, they didn't charge full price. It was half the price of the original game. Oh, really? And I think that is where I want to start because... What's well, also included now in like the gold edition of Spider-Man. Exactly. It's part of the, part of the collection. So yeah. I'm like... I, I want to start there because we have gone off on multiple tangents on this podcast about the games and film industry and the background of all this sort of stuff. And I figure let's do it early so that then we can get into the meat and potatoes of the actual art. So what specific uh, like area I, do you want to dive into then? I just think that it's really worth acknowledging that Insomniac uh, made a creative decision that turned into a business decision and they executed it really well. And I think that that should serve as a model for how this can work for other games we don't need to live in a world of fully priced spin-offs or of microtransactional garbage. They have multiple costumes to collect. They created all new mechanics for what should have been a DLC and they turned it into a fully fledged game that is fun to play on its own. Yeah. And I was happy and, to pay for it. And then they and then they're like reiterating on that for Spider-Man 2 and, and it's, it's coming get out. even bigger. Exactly. 
So I'm just saying maybe other game developers should take a look at this as a potential model and go, maybe we don't need to release fully priced DLC every six months or 12 months. I'm looking at you, Destiny. Potentially. When you say fully priced, how much are the Destiny DLCs? Like oh, each season? Don't even. I, I did the math on this and I'm actually mad at myself. Okay, so I've been playing Destiny 2 you know, huge tangent here. We're not doing okay, a podcast well, on Destiny on, 2. Very quickly though, that tells me it's not clear off the bat. It's not clear off the bat. Which in itself is a problem. Yeah, so every season that they've done in Destiny 2 has had its own pricing and they're never exactly the same. But almost without fail, every I think there's two exceptions to this, almost every yearly DLC is a fully priced game in and of itself. So like in a, for Australia, would it be 100 bucks? At least $100. That's fucked. I've paid, I've paid. That's, that's way too much. 120 money. bucks for what is essentially DLC. And they're like, but it comes with a season pass and blah, blah, blah. It's bullshit. And I'm sick of it. And I did the math. I think I've spent upwards of a thousand bucks on Destiny 2 over 10 years. Disgusting. Anyway, that's my rant. I just think I just wanted to start oh with that. God. We we could rant for that. We for could do a whole maybe we, maybe like, we should do a spin-off podcast of just like industry bullshit. I I, I think I do want to do like different episodes covering like industry news. I would and, love that. And, and I would love like that because because also like talking like every game like the model of game games as a business nowadays is just live service and microtransactions. Yeah, yeah. And I'm honestly sick of it. Sony's Sony's investing. Uh, I forget the number. A billion dollars, a stupid amount of money into live service games <laughs> over <laughs> the next five one years. Billion? Yeah, <clears throat> absolutely one, outrageous. One billion. Try sixty nine billion. Sixty nine billion. Insanity. They got approved. Are you kidding? Oh, I'm so I'm so upset about it. But anyway, that's already a tangent. We're not here to talk about no. FTC. So part of the reason I, I wanted to start with that is I I 100%ed the Insomniac Spider Man game, and I 100%ed uh, Miles Morales. Oh, interesting. So Spider Man, I. I didn't 100%, but I, I grinded it out and did a lot of it. Spider-Man Miles Morales, I'm like, I'm not doing that same thing again for hours. Yeah. I'll go through the story. I'll do all the side missions. I'll, I'll like experience what it's offering me, but I'm not going to collect every collectible. No, but I think what was interesting for me is that when I went through it the first time, I, I didn't 100% Miles Morales for that reason. I was like, I was too jaded from other... Uh, you know, collectathon RPG style games where yeah. like you look at the map and you go, I'm going to tick all these boxes. It really tickles the ADHD in my brain and goes, every one of those has to be ticked off. The, the, the one that gets me, so like when I played uh, like 2018 Spider-Man and you know, you start off like with the first two or three different things across the map that you can collect. Like before I did any next mission, I went and got all of them. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. And then you go through the story a little bit more and then it shows like more stuff for you to unlock. And I'm like, well, fuck! I should have waited to get all the others because now, like, I'm tr- I'm like sweeping the map again. Yeah. When if I had waited to be a bit, little bit more further in the story, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's it, a problem. It's frustrating. Anyway, no, that's just me being like, you know, I'm not going to say OCD. That's that's not. Quite I mean, it's correct. also a small thing. Like, it doesn't really yeah. detract from like, you know, the, the main like narrative of the yeah. game, right? And experience. But it, it definitely does tickle the ADHD in me. Yeah. But the reason I bring it up is when I went back to do it. In the order that we did this podcast, I went and saw Across the Spider-Verse in cinemas and it tickled a part of my brain that I think hadn't been tickled in a while. I was was so shook by how much I enjoyed the film and the elements of it that we're going to get into. Oh, it's... uh, I mean, I talked about this uh, before Across the Spider-Verse came out. Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, hands down, best Spider-Man movie. Oh, stunning. And I think Across the Spider-Verse is as like topped that hundred percent, hundred percent. And I think that's what happened was I went home and was like, okay, I need to, I need to do Morales Morales again for the podcast. I'm going to get back into it. Let's have a look. And I realized that there's new game plus. Yep. 
And so I got to keep all of the, you know, I'd almost unlocked every skill the first time around. And now I was only missing like four things. And you can do all the collectibles. And I was like, okay, great. And I looked at it and I was so close to getting a platinum trophy. And again, so dumb. There's no reason to do this. It's obsessive. It's stupid. But also like achievement hunting is fun. It's a ch- I like it. I like it a that's lot. What, that's why I love Steam, to be yeah, honest, is I yeah. have all my achievements in one place there. Yeah. I had to actually stop myself on Xbox. I turned off my achievement notifications because it became a problem. I would, I would try to 100% a game that I was no longer enjoying. Yeah. So with this one, I was like, all right, I'm pretty close. And I just totally lost myself in the game. I was just cruising around New York collecting stuff and I was having a blast. And I was like... I hate the marketing thing where they kept talking about the original Insomniac one where they're like, it's it's the first game where you really feel like Spider-Man, but they're fucking riot, man. Cruising around, <laughs> listening to some sick beats and just like, like I mean, just I, bantering I, around I, New York. I, I do love that. I mean, I mean like, I, I think I'm sick of that tagline because it's used so much in marketing being like, this game really makes you like feel like this superhero. Like you really feel like you're in the world. You feel like you're Spider-Man. I, I think just because I've heard it so many times, I'm sick of it. But I, I 100% get what you mean. Because yeah. when you are swinging through New York and finding stuff and beating up bad guys and saving people, like, it is so much fun. Yeah. Even if you're not, like, doing a mission or anything specific, you, you're, you're honestly just swinging around doing whatever. Yeah. I, I was um, looking into it, the uh, cast, right? Because I was like, the voice cast in Across the Spider-Verse, which I will talk about again shortly, is an absolute banger. Oh my god! I, across the Spider Verse yeah. is fucking stacked, stacked cast, unbelievable. And very quickly, and like I'll save this point for after your point, but like it's a stacked cast of Hollywood actors, yeah. not voice actors, yeah. But it still works well. It still works, yeah. It's one of the very few examples of it actually working well, yeah. Um, but anyway, I'll, I'll talk about that after your point. So like, I, I I found the movie like okay, incredible voice cast, and then I was like who's in the Miles Morales game? Because again, really, really powerful voice performances. And I was like, oh yeah. And I realized a a lot of the people doing the voices in the game are also actors. And so in particular, I want to give a shout out to Jasmine Savoy Brown. She doesn't need me to give her a shout out. She is very famous. She is well and truly on her way to being a star. I mean, I I don't, I don't really recognize her name. What else has she done? Um, okay, I would have to look this up, but she's also in Yellow Jackets, for example. Oh, like, okay. So she is like, she's not a household name yet, but you heard it here first, she's going to be. Uh, if I have it my way, she'll be a leading role in one of my films in the next five years. She's going to be massive. And so she plays the tinkerer. And yeah. what I what I found interesting is they used her face as well. So she does a full performance capture. Oh, really? It's, it's her face. She's delivering the lines. And I found that like, maybe if that's, you know, we've talked about the blurring of the film and, and, and whatever lines, you know, film and video game lines before. I mean, I, think, I mean, there's been plenty of games that have done that. Like Grand Theft Auto V is yeah. known for it, right? Yeah. But I do think we're starting to see that happen in a way that is so natural that it's it doesn't feel forced. Like when you see, if you remember, um, was it Kevin Spacey was in one of the Call of Duty? Oh my God, yeah. Right? And everyone was like, it's just Kevin Spacey in Call of Duty. In this, I didn't see Jasmine Savoy Brown. I saw the Tinkerer and she yeah. disappeared into that role. But it's a testament to how good of a performance that she was delivering. And it's like when you see Christopher Judge in like God of War, same thing. I know that that's an actor. I recognize him. I like his work. I've seen him in stuff. But when he's in that role, he's not like, I'm not seeing a famous actor do a voice. I think- I'm seeing an actor perform. I think this right here, what you're talking about, is why I think Across the Spider-Verse works really well and Into the Spider-Verse. Because, like, aside from maybe, like, Miles and Gwen, although Gwen's Hayley Steinfeld, she's probably a bit well-known, but uh, Shamik Moore, maybe, like, lesser known compared to the rest of the supporting cast. 
But again, is everyone disappearing? The supporting cast is massive. The supporting cast is insane. It's unreal. Hang on, hang on. I'm, I'm gonna, so, so, okay. Here's some of the supporting cast, right? Miles' dad is Brian Tyree Henry. Amazing. Um, like, I think his first big big role was in Atlanta and he's blown up yeah, since. Yeah, yeah. Um, Jake Johnson, Peter B. Parker. I mean, in the first one, Chris Pine is also Peter Parker. Yeah. Uh, in the first one too, you have Nick Cage, John Mulaney. Yep. Um, oh fuck! I forget who uh, who voices the other two Spider people in the, in the first one. Uh, we could look it up, but they yeah. they all and then, return. Yep. And then Oscar Isaac, Jason mm-hmm. Schwartzman, Issa Rae, Daniel Kaluuya, like Greta Lee, fucking hell, it's Andy Samberg, Jack Quaid, J.K. Yeah. Simmons is back. Yeah, Donald Glover makes an appearance. I want to do a shout out to Andy Samberg as Ben Riley, oh who's like the super emo spider. I mean, he, he was one that I immediately picked it was Andy Samberg. It's but the voice, it, but right? It yeah. fits so well. It's so perfect. So my but wife there is... Were, a, there were a few though, right? Like I, a few, I, yeah. I didn't pick until after the movie ended that Spider-Punk was Daniel Kaluuya and that the spot was Jason Schwartzman. Yeah. A lot of people didn't pick up on the Daniel Kaluuya thing because um, a lot of people haven't heard his real accent. They, they know yeah, him yeah, in, yeah, yeah. from films like Get Out and stuff where you, he has like an American accent on. So I thought that was really interesting. Also... Very quick, I rewatched Nope the other night. Yeah, because Daniel Kaluuya's in it. Fucking excellent, incredible movie. movie. Oh my god! I, we could do an episode about how they did those day for night shots or night for day shots. That'd I be would fun. Love to do talk it. About oh, that. that'd be so much fun. Follow that one away. But yeah, so the the voice cast is incredible, and I think what we're seeing is that I, I'm a, I like uh, uh, the idea of voice actors doing voice work. Like I'm a big fan of that. I'm not trying to say that we shouldn't have people who only do voice acting. But what I'm suggesting but there is, is... there is a big difference between someone who's like a professional voice actor, like Troy Baker, yeah. compared to Jake Johnson, who his voice in everything is just his voice. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And so it might be that like um, uh, a good example there might be Oscar Isaac. He's really good as Miguel O'Hara, right? Yeah. But like, I don't know that Oscar has the the voice chops to play multiple characters in different animations no. and et cetera, et cetera. But yeah. like in this, as that character, he crushes it. And I'm, I'm very into that. It's like the new uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie also has a stacked cast. But it, it, it and this is, this is like the other side of it where I feel like, I mean, I haven't seen the movie. It looks like it's going to be good. I hope it's good. But there's a lot of animation movies, particularly like kids, like Pixar style movies that will have a stacked like Hollywood voice cast for marketing. So like that one has, you know, like Seth Rogen and yeah. um, uh, Jackie Chan as, um, uh, oh, what's, what's the rat's name again in, <laughs> in TMNT? Fuck. It's, it's not Splinter. Or yeah, it Master is Splinter. Splinter. Master Splinter. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> Can't believe you forgot Master Splinter's name. No, fair enough, yeah. But yeah, like, like and all that kind of stuff. And like in the trailer and you hear them talk, you can just hear it's them. We're definitely going to do a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles episode because I... I miss how good Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles was and it has been going the through Dark movie, Ages. The that new trailer the looks The trailer amazing. looks incredible. I'm actually so excited for the movie. Well, that might be a good segue into, right? We, we talked about how good the voice cast is and we talked about like these 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 elements of, of changes and things or like the, the innovations that these games and films are doing. Across the Spider-Verse is without a doubt, I will go on the record of saying this, as it stands currently, my favorite animated film of all time. Oh, 100%. I think it's it's the best superhero movie of all time and I think it's the best animated movie of all time. I uh, I had a wonderful experience with Spider-Man. Big which calls, I but I'm 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 here. It's big calls, big calls. I'm 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 fucking back in it. I don't care. I, I think I, we honestly I remember. So I think when Into the Spider-Verse came out, I was doing my masters, which is when I'm yeah, here for the yeah. first time. So, uh, you know, doing masters in in film production, working with a lot of film students. 
who love like lots of like art house indie stuff. And I was telling people to go see Spider-Man into the, into the Spider-Verse because it's fucking amazing. And people were discounting it both for being a superhero movie and the fact that it was just an animation, yeah. an animated movie. And they were like, I'm not going to go see an animated movie. That's for kids. I'm like, you are missing out. So much, so much. Because like it, like, and it, like, this is gonna sound wanky, but it is really like a, a like a an artwork, like 100%. it's a piece of art. Watching watching the new one, I I've seen it twice now because I saw it once uh, on my own when it first came out, and then I dragged my wife to see it. I saw it, so I I saw it with my partner. I think like opening weekend, packed cinema. Yeah, it was fucking awesome. And then I rewatched it. I went to the cinema just this week in for this for this podcast. And I had a small cinema all to myself. Nice. And it and like both like the packed cinema experience and just myself in, in the empty cinema were both awesome experiences. Yeah, I think mine was the reverse. I had almost an empty cinema the first time. And it was funny because, so huge, huge spoilers. If you haven't seen the movie yet, I'm going to ruin the ending for you right now. If you don't know how it ends, you should turn this off and come back up. The, 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 the ending is like a, a pretty big like twist reveal. So if you don't want to know yet, please watch it before you, before you continue. Right. So... I knew going into the movie that it was going to be a cliffhanger. And I knew this. I didn't. Because when they had announced the sequel originally, it was one film. And about three months later, it was announced that it was actually going to be two films and that they were going to come out about 12 months apart. Yeah, it's coming out. Spider-Verse and Beyond the Spider-Verse. Beyond the Spider-Verse is coming out like March or April. Exactly. Yeah. So I knew this because I had seen the press releases because I'm a movie nerd and I read all this shit, right? Most people hadn't. And I know this because when the big reveal at the end happens that Miles is not in his home universe, he is in the the universe that his spider that bit him came from. Which is from a different dimension. In that dimension, uh, Miles, aka the Miles from that native dimension, is the Prowler, not Spider-Man. Because, and of course, the spider that was meant to bite him bit our Miles Morales. And, of course, that universe, too, doesn't have a Spider-Man. Right? So, huge thing. And you're like, it, it ends on this, like, to-be-continued the three people next to me in the cinema and like we were the only people there leapt out of their seats and were like, what the fuck? I was like, okay, I, they're a little bit angry, but I think it was perfect. No, but also like, I don't, I, I mean like I can understand that reaction. I don't think that's like genuine anger. I think it's shock in the moment because like that kind of reaction is the experience you'd want from that. Right. Yeah. Like that's, that's 100% what is designed from the filmmakers doing that. Yeah. For me, it's empire strikes back. It's that, People I've seen online are like, I can't believe it ends on a cliffhanger. How could they do that in the modern day? That's so stupid. Blah 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 blah. What blah. the fuck? Yeah, yeah. People are like, people mad are about it. How how can you do a cliffhanger in the modern day? People yeah. have been doing. People haven't stopped doing cliffhangers forever. It's been part of the art since we started writing and telling stories. But anyway, I just found it really interesting that people were kind of mad about it. And I'm like, when the third one comes out and people see it and it ends the story, I think that across the spider bit, I don't know how good also, the third one's Also, very be. quickly, people people complaining about a cliffhanger. Yeah. And there's a Spider-Man. If any of them had seen Infinity War and had to wait a year for Endgame. Yeah. Like, come on. Come on. I think it was. I think it was because it literally ended with "to be continued," and they were like, "This is outrageous." Like, I I love a classic "to be continued." To be honest, I think it fits. I think it worked really well. I and mean, I especially think, for like a classic comic book movie, right? I was like, "That's how comics work, man." You end the last page of a comic is almost unless it's the end of an arc, which you know these days every five issues, but 
every other one of those, it ends on something that makes you go, oh shit, because they want you to buy the comic next week, right? Yeah, yeah. And, or, or like, you know, you, you think like classic like Pokemon TV show, right? Every yeah. episode is going to be a t- to be continued or like what are they going to do next time? Yeah. Because I want to hook you in to make sure you tune in for you the next episode. you got to tune in next time. I was like, this is actually very fitting for what this is. I just found it very entertaining because I feel like no matter how good the third one is, it'll probably be incredible. If, if, it's, if this one's anything to go by, it'll be my new favorite animated film of all time. Oh my God. But I do think that it will retroactively make the second one even better because- because when you resolve a cliffhanger well, it makes the, the lead up to the cliffhanger even more exciting because oh, yeah. you know what's coming next. Yeah. So I'm like, for me, that's that like, that's was like, a great decision. It's like weirdly like thinking again about the Avengers. I actually think Infinity War is a better movie than Endgame. Ooh, that is a hot take. Well, for me anyway. I, I, I think that experience in, in watching Infinity War, even after having seen Endgame and knowing what happens in Endgame, yeah. watching Infinity War and seeing what happens and knowing where it goes is really cool. Yeah, I feel like the, the performances are much stronger. Yeah. Like the, 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 the actors giving the performance were like, we are about to lead into something that audiences are going to hold on to for a while. And don't get me wrong, Endgame is, w- was amazing. Yeah. But like that moment, especially right at the end of Infinity War, uh, like when, when, I mean, you know, spoilers, I guess, but everyone's seen, everyone who's listening to Spider-Man, I'm assuming will be into Marvel and has seen Infinity War. But when Thanos snaps and everyone like disappears and the movie ends and Thanos is one, it's like, oh fuck. It's crazy. Yeah. And like, you know, it's going to happen. Because like the, in the entire movie is leading up to that moment, but yeah. when it actually happens, it, there's still that moment of realization, being like they've actually done this. They've actually done this. Yeah, I think that was part of why I enjoyed Across the Spider Verse so much. Is that I I knew it was going to end on a cliffhanger because I knew that there was a third one coming that they'd already announced, and that the reason that had had that had happened is the story was too big to be one film. So I was like, I was ready for it. But they really handled it so well because the music builds and the pacing builds, and they had this beautiful animation style. That's another quick good thing because, like, the pacing was because, like, at that point, it's like two, two and a half hours. Yeah. But it doesn't feel like it because the pacing is really well done. The flow is great. Like, yeah. Like, every, everything, like, like, flows really well from the previous scene to the next. So at the end of the movie, it doesn't feel like two hours. It, it has been two hours, so it makes sense. But, like, I could have stayed there for another two hours. Yeah, oh, yeah. happily. I mean, I would, I would have liked an intermission. I definitely had to pee at that point. But, yes, I would have come back. I mean, for me, yeah, bring back the double feature with an intermission. I'm into that. I love it. Oh, double features at the Asta. It's a, yeah, always a classic. 100%. But the, the, the animation style towards the end there, and, I mean, it's throughout the whole film, but I love how each, each dimension that, you, that they visit has its own kind of... And even, even if it's not like totally style? unique, yeah, like yeah. some of them have really clear art styles where there's like the Lego one, which like for copyright purposes is not Lego. It's just- Also animated bricks. by a 14-year-old kid. Right, incredible. Because that, that quick tangent, who, like 14-year-old kid who uh, did his own fan version of the Into the Spider-Verse trailer in Lego, Phil Lord and Chris Miller saw it, loved it, showed it with the Spider-Verse animation team. They were also kind of floored by it and they brought him on to do the Lego sequence in Across the Spider-Verse. Incredible. And it's only in there for like 30 seconds, but, but it's so good. It's so good. Yeah. It's that kind of thing where I'm like, they even the ones that aren't that unique, where they're like, okay, so Earth 42 looks a little bit like Miles' home dimension, which I can't remember the name of, the number four rather, but like it's different. I, th- I think it's 1610. 1610, that sounds right. Yeah. It's... uh. You, you you look at it and you go, it looks familiar. It's not a completely different art style, 
but it's just darker and more neon. And yeah. I was like, ooh, it's just, it's that's what New York looks like when it doesn't have Spider-Man. And yeah. I was like, oh, the way they paint the whole movie is a painting that they're creating in front of your eyes. Oh, yeah. Like, I love that. The scene where Gwen uh, yeah. hugs her dad. I was I was going to say that this is going to lead me directly into yeah. that scene because yeah. I, have, I have some specific notes about that oh, scene. Oh, go for too. it. This is our moment. Yeah. Right. Okay. I don't know if you've seen a, a few, like... Um, theories and articles about this but very like in particular about this scene it's talking about Gwen's story with her dad is a trans story Ooh. and that scene when she's opening up to, to her father who isn't wanting to accept her as like spider woman it, while it may not literally be about Gwen being trans the story is about her being trans or trans people she has a trans pride flag in a bedroom in one in one of the scenes like above her door mm. The entire scene in the background literally turns into a trans flag. It does. It does. Yeah. I yeah. noticed that. It was very cool. Yeah. So uh, w- whether or not Gwen is trans, but it's, it's like that uh, story about like opening up to who you are to your yeah. father who doesn't want, it doesn't necessarily like want to accept you for who you are and like overcoming mm. that and navigating that and, and coming together at the end. I think there's also an argument too that like a lot of this, a lot of the story for the movie is more about Gwen than it is Miles. Well, she opens the film. Yeah. And I think because in the – I can't remember how the first one opens now that I'm thinking about it. But she she opens the second one and it's like her doing the drum solo as I she think, explains. Yeah, I think the first one opens up with like the classic like it's Chris Pine Spider-Man. Yeah. And you follow him but then you – and and you get like his very quick intro and then it cuts yeah. into Miles in his parents' place. Uh, drawing in his book, listening to music, and he's getting ready for school. Yeah. So I wonder then who's going to open the third one. Because, like, if the second film is largely about Gwen's journey, and, like, it kind of is, like, it's a Miles Morales film. Yeah. But it opens with her, and we, we hear and it's and really a, a about lot, his experience A lot of, her. like, the, the struggle on a journey that we go through yeah. is Gwen. So, yeah, no, I fully agree. I do think... Um, It'll be interesting to see how they pull off that third one in that the expectations or like the benchmark that they've set for themselves is so fucking high. Yeah. So fucking high. I think they'll hit it, but I'm also like, you know, yeah, that pink and purple aesthetic, that that the 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 the, sub, the, 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 the watercolor, like yeah. everything getting washed out. When Gwen's dad is like opening up and talking to her, and like the entire background and everything gets like really white and oversaturated yeah. and flushed out, but not actually oversaturated. It's, it's literally painted that yeah, way. Yeah, it's can, watercolors. Yeah. yeah. And and just like, it's it's just incredible how it's done. And then you just focus in on the characters, like the color palette is changing from shot to shot. It's, but like, it's really like, kind of like bearing your heart, really openly emotional, yeah. really vulnerable. Yeah. It's done so well. It's kind of an acid trip. And I mean this in the sense oh, yeah. that like, when, when you are tripping, you even if it's not real, but you feel like you're seeing into things and yeah. you're seeing what they actually are, and you're seeing like the or, metaphysical or, or like, history of, or the like thing. you're seeing behind things yeah. and you're starting to understand like, or you're just starting to process, yeah, w- w- like what could be. And it feels like that where you're watching it, where it's like you know the scene where um, Gwen's uh, dad, Captain Stacy, finally corners Spider Woman, like right at the beginning, he finally corners Gwen. Oh, in the, in the, is it the Guggenheim? In the Guggenheim, yeah. yeah. And, and you know, she pulls the mask off and reveals herself and it's a whole moment. The And he still he, tries yeah, to arrest her. Still tries to arrest her. All the rubble disappears and it's just like red and white and then it goes yeah. super dark purple and you're like, ooh. You, the, the artists and the animators have sort of 
they've captured this moment of where they're standing is irrelevant. Yeah. How they're feeling is what the scene really is. And because it's animation, they get to do that. And I think like uh, compared to Into the Spider-Verse, Across the Spider-Verse does that a lot more. I think they may, I, I don't know like how, how much creative, like freedom or creative license they have between the two movies. Like if, like if Into the Spider-Verse was a little bit more like, mm. uh, I don't know, like go through the story and, and do it in, in fun. But this one is... They have so much more ex- like freedom of expression for yeah. how they want to do that, and they yeah. do it quite a lot in different ways throughout the movie. And all of it, I mean, I'm just saying the same thing I already have, but it just works so well. Works I love so it. Well. I think the okay, so we're we're gonna I'm gonna try and bring us into why these two things feel correct together. Yeah, for me, it's beyond the fact that they're Spider Man, right? Like that's that's you know. One could argue, and I think actually in Across the Spider-Verse, you do see the PlayStation 2 Spider-Man. You do. That, in, yeah. That's been confirmed. It's Yeah, it's the new, uh, it's Spider-Man 2. Yeah, right? So, no, no, there's him, but there's also the blocky old school graphics Spider-Man oh, shows up I as thought, well. I thought you meant when you see Genki playing the video game. That's the new one yeah, coming out, yeah. Spider-Man 2. But yeah, but when you, you actually see, see the video game yeah. Spider-Man. So there's video game Spider-Man, but you also see old video game Spider-Man. Yeah. So you see both. And I was like, that kills me because I'm see, like- they're, they're establishing that in canon, in the universe of this film, the video game exists. And yeah. that, that Spider-Man that you play as is one of the Spider-Man. And I was like, that's does that, does that Does that mean when you're playing a game, you're controlling someone in another universe? I, I don't want to get into that because, whoa. Right? Because that, that, like, we live that, in a simulation. That, that's like, is somebody just playing me? I mean, that's going back into Toy Story theory as well. Oh, yeah. We um, could get into some weird shit there. Did you see, too, there was a cut shot for the... Uh, Almost in the movie, they were going to have a toy, like, action figure Spider-Man animated with a human hand, like, in shot, moving him around. Oh, no, I hate that. I hate that very much. Oh. They, they, they were almost going to include that in the movie as well. That's, that's too much acid trip. That's, <laughs> that's a bad trip. Oh. I, I would have loved it just because, like, I, I love how, like, just, like, over the top, like, yeah. fourth wall breaking it is. Yeah. And, 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 and just too much. Like, it's it, just too much. Like, like yeah. I recognize it is too much. But that's why I like but it. That's, yeah, yeah. Like, let's turn it up to 11. Let's yeah, do yeah, it. Yeah. Like, like, if you're going to go all the way, just fucking well, commit. right? Yeah. But, like, okay. So, I really love that they incorporated all that. And it feels like they're part of the same universe. But even beyond that, both the game and this film have deeply understood why Spider-Man is such an incredibly compelling character. And it doesn't have to be Peter Parker. It doesn't have to be Miles. You realize that, you know, there's there's a hundred other Spider-Man. There's Indian Spider-Man. There's there's going to be, um, there was the horse Spider-Man who's like a cowboy from the ni- you know, yeah, like 1700s the or whatever. Yeah. yeah. There's a spider got, cat and um, a spider T-Rex. Yeah, spider T-Rex, which by the way, there's a very funny one-shot comic about spider T-Rex. Oh, and really? It's very funny. And I highly recommend people check it out. Um, yeah, they did like a lead up to this film with five issues and each one is one of the really weird Spider-Men. Oh, fuck yeah. It's quite good. I do I do love like, because it is like hundreds of Spider-Man in this movie. Potentially thousands. And, yeah, and, yeah. And, and like, because uh, I, I really want to like, um, when I can get a copy like on streaming or whatever, just go through and like frame by frame yeah. pause. Oh, somebody's going to do it and break down like how many different ones, where did oh they come God. from? It's so cool. So the, the, I love it because they really captured that like it's irrelevant which person is wearing the mask. It's really that they all have the same thing inside them. 
And so one of them is, I think he even says it in the film, is like, you know, we're supposed to be funny. Like, Spider-Man are funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, it's like, like Jake Johnson's Spider-Man. It's like, Spider-Man is supposed to be silly. Spider-Man's supposed to be silly. And Miguel's taking it so seriously. Yeah, and it's like, that. that's such a great moment, is that, like, part of your, getting your spider powers is that you get, like, a quippy sense of humor. Yeah. It's like, yeah, that's, that's the power set. It's actually, like, on the wiki listed as one of his powers is to be funny, <laughs> to be quippy. But I think beyond that, the premise of the film they actually say it out loud and it's one of the rare times where the movie tells you what the premise is and it doesn't feel ham-fisted most of the time you know that joke about like the suicide squad where they're like what are we some kind of suicide oh, squad? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah yeah most of the time the premise when it's said out loud feels like that and you're like Ugh. i think i think that one to me too though like that, that's a, that's not premise that's like when no, you no, ham- no, yeah but when my, you ham-fist someone saying the title of yeah, the movie yeah but my point is like the premise feels the same when somebody yeah. tells you what the movie is about like a character actually expresses it you kind of go yeah i know it yeah because because then it feels like the movie is treating you like an idiot yeah like i didn't need you to beat me over the head with it but in this, it felt really natural. I'm pretty sure the premise of this one is Spider-Man can do both. Spider-Man always does both. And then dot, 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 not always. And for me, I'm like, that's incredible. Because the oh, premise that's is- a, That's a really good one. Right? The premise is telling you that the thing that drives all of these people, when they put this the cowl on the mask on and they go and try to help people- they're trying to do it all. They're like, I can be everything to all people. They want to save the daughter and the father. Always, right? And the canon event, which is like in the film is a huge plot point, canon events can't be stopped or you break everything. The canon event for Spider-Man is learning that they can't do everything. And like that is actually their character flaw. They also established very very quickly in terms of canon events. like So canon events being like integral moments that each Spider-Man goes through. So like losing like the loved one, Uncle Ben. Yeah, or just done, or like, or, uh, like not being able to save like the person who's closest to you. Uh, the other one that they very quickly focused on but didn't do for the movie, but like very clear for any Spider-Man iteration, is uh, Spider-Man getting venom, like Venom. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so, uh, like you know, Spider-Man Two in the next game is going to be Venom. Yeah, maybe across the spot beyond the Spider-Verse. I, I mean, I don't know if I want it to happen, but like Venom being in uh, beyond the Spider-Verse would be pretty cool. If if I had to guess, and and like I almost don't want I have to say heard, this, I have it apparently uh, beyond the Spider Verse is going to have multiple Gwens. It will, yeah, yeah. yeah. I've, yeah. I've heard this. I I this is the problem when you get into multiversal situations. If if multiverse theory is correct, which in this canon it clearly is, it, he can't be the only Miles, and she can't be the only Gwen. In that, like in the movie, there's infinite versions of every single right? iteration. So in right? the movie, she says in every other universe. Gwen Stacy falls for Spider-Man and in every other universe, it doesn't work out. The implication is that she's the only Spider-Gwen. She's the exception to that, that canon event. But we know in an in infinite in infinity theory, that cannot be true, Yeah, right? There has to be an infinite version of Spider-Gwen's also. And we know this because the canon, the comics are canon, the games are canon. And I know that in the comics, there are multiple Gwen's, therefore. So they haven't done it in the movie yet. I suspect that's where the third one's going. Yeah. So- they call it beyond the Spider-Verse. If I had to guess, and I could be wrong, I, I, I almost hate to say this out loud in case I am actually correct and this retroactively or, or the opposite of that spoils the third movie. I we, think we can't, we can't technically spoil can't it We can't technically spoil it because we don't know, right? Yeah. But, but I, I think they're going to pull a Rick and Morty and there's a central finite curve in which oh, okay. Miguel O'Hara's little Spider-Verse-y bracelets that he uses to get around and he gives all of his Spider-People. He controls And that's going to get broken. It's going to get broken. And everyone is going to come. Exactly. Because in the movie, they're like, 
100 Spider-Men in, in Nuevo York and it's blah, blah, blah and Miguel O'Hare is in charge, that cannot be true for all Spider-Men on an infinite scale. It's just not possible. No. So I have a feeling that their little bracelets and him checking his canon events only is events that directly affect things that he cares about or that are tied to his universe. So I think that's part of the reason he doesn't want Miles Morales involved is not just because he's the original anomaly, but because he's not part of the central finite curve that Miguel O'Hara's Spider-Man is trying to control. And so when he introduces Miles, it breaks everything, which of course it does. And which, that's the plot of the movie. Which also like, if you, if you, if you want to pick that apart a little bit more, because Miguel uh, tried to step into another universe where he could live with his family and that didn't work. So if, if he's trying to control things like he was trying to control that, that would make sense for his character arc. And they keep asking him in the film, are you sure you're Spider-Man? Are you sure you're a good guy? I don't think he is. Spoilers, I think Miguel O'Hara is going to be the villain, the ultimate villain in the third film. Yeah, I think, I think Miguel O'Hara like, wants to be the good guy, but he, he never actually is. Like, as, 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 as much as he may want to be, If you've ever read the, the Spider-Man 2099 comics, that is exactly his premise. That is yeah. his character flaw as Spider-Man. That, if everybody else's is they want to do it all or they want to do both and they have to learn that they can't. Miguel's is that he refuses to learn that he can't and in doing so becomes a bad guy. Yeah, okay. I haven't read any of the stories of him but like I have looked up the character a little bit. Yeah. From what I know from what I know that that checks out a lot. This is this is when we talk about premise theory, right? You you either agree with the premise or you disagree, right? But the character either has to learn the truth of the premise and embody it or be destroyed by it. And that's true of the villain as well. It's like a story writing 101, right? If your villain is the, they call it an antagonist, right? For a reason. Yeah. They're the opposite of the protagonist. Yeah. yeah. Antithesis too. So you end up with, the villain has to understand the same premise as the protagonist. They're both, they both understand the same truth, but one of them is going to learn it, embody it and grow and be better for it. The other one is going to be destroyed by it because they refuse to do so. Where do you think Gwen's going to fall on this? I, I'm torn because I think for her journey, it's the, the, the moment with her dad, I think, is like towards the end of the film, kind of resolves her inner premise conflict. But like uh, until then, she looks like she's going to get destroyed. By yeah, it. yeah. Up until that moment, you're like, she's on a path of self-destruction yep. because she cannot accept that either her dad is going to die or that she can't be Spider Gwen. Well, this is also where Miles is going too, trying to save his dad. Because like, and and like, we're getting it when like the spot is showing that vision, and also with that like hand drawn black and yeah, white shots. That. Those are fucking amazing. Yeah. And like, this is gonna happen where like he's gonna like cause a building to collapse to kill Miles's dad, like as soon as he becomes captain, or he is captain now. So like, very, like he like, and that's also like the other ca canon event, right? The dad becoming captain and that. Like yeah. spells his doom. Yeah, there's always a captain, and the captain always dies. Yeah, there's always an Uncle Ben, and if there's not an Uncle Ben, there's an Uncle Aaron or an Aunt like, May or, or an Aunt May. Yeah. It's like these are those canon events, right? And it's like for Spider-Man to become what he needs to become to be what we know as Spider-Man, he has to go through these tragedies. And it's like the in the movie, the other Spider-Man constantly refer to Miles, including Gwen, as a like kid. And yeah. like, he's like, I'm an adult. It's like, okay, first of all, you're not an adult. You are literally still a teenager. However, I understand where he's coming from. He's like, I am Spider-Man. I wear the mask. I save the day. Yeah. And they're like, dude, you don't get it. You, you haven't, and he's like, well, my uncle died. And they're like, oh, honey. That's, gets, that's not even close to it. You, you haven't met Venom yet. You have like, you have so much to learn. He hasn't had his Green Goblin slash Hobgoblin moment. No. He hasn't had Genki become a villain. 
He hasn't experienced all of these things that are going to crush him and grind him into paste. And it's only because he still puts the mask on, even after all of that, that he's Spider-Man. And when that happens, he gets to be Miles Morales, Spider-Man. But in the movie, they're all like, dude, you just need to just chill and just have a good time being a kid and have fun with your powers because my goodness, are you going to have a hard time? And like, they and, could and, have just and, and told like, him that. It's in- but but like they can't tell him that because if they do tell him that exactly. he, like he's never going to accept it and, and and he doesn't when they have the big reveal I love where they have like the big VR type you know yeah. Miguel is like explaining it and it's like this and he's just like you've all had this and they're like yeah dude and they're he doesn't realize they're only showing him like ten percent of how fucked up it gets yeah <laughs> it's it, crazy it, you know it's interesting too because thinking about all of this stuff and like established tropes and events and like everyone knows who Spider-Man is, what makes Spider-Man is to the point where like the characters are aware of that and are like telling that to each other. Yeah. We know it too because we've had so many iterations of Spider-Man for games and movies. Like I grew up with Spider-Man. I grew up with Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man. Yeah, Spider-Man. of course. Fucking amazing. The fact that like this, like, you know, 20th Spider-Man movie that we've seen manages to still keep it fresh and yeah. interesting and keep playing on like on its own established tropes again and again. And it's, it's still... Uh, really engaging and encapsulating. Like it's a yeah. tremendous effort to be able to like, honestly keep re- retelling that same story in new and fresh ways. I think that actually ties it back into one of the things that both the game and the film totally nail is is that element of self sacrifice that Spider Man has to have. Yeah, it's that that when he does learn that he can't do both, he cannot be everywhere all the time for everyone. When he learns that, what he does next is really important. And I think that in the game in particular, the the buildup can feel a little bit lackluster compared to how intense the movie is, for example. Right, yeah. In the game, you know, your villain at first is, uh, what's his name, Krieger, played by uh, Troy, ba- Troy Baker. Yeah, I didn't, I, didn't pick a, I didn't pick up on it being Troy Baker when I was playing. Yeah. But now that you said that, and I would call him saying like, Bud in the movie. Yeah, he has way, a really like- The way he says Bud, I'm like, oh, that that's Troy Baker. That's Troy Baker. That to me was really well done because most Spider-Man villains in in canon are not uh, Spot and they're not uh, super powered. Also, also Spot's fucking cool. Spot's very cool. Oh my yeah. god, I love Spot. Spot earned his place as Miles's nemesis in this film. Oh yeah, hundred percent. The oh, J- and, Jason and, and, Jason Schwartzman, huge shout out to that incredible performance because he feels like a bumbling moron at the beginning of the film, and by the end, I'm like, oh shit, he's for real, real. This yeah. is bad. I also, too, I'd, I'd love to know if this was the intention, the intention when they did the first movie, or if it was kind of like ret- retroactively added in. But just that one off, like one of the background scientists who who got hit with the bagel, and that turns into the spot in the arch nemesis. I'm I, like. That random guy? I don't think they planned it out in that way to that extent, but I definitely think that. But it still works. It, like yeah. even doing it retroactively, it it's, definitely it still, still works. works. Yeah. The in in the game, you have this kind of slow build where, if you have played it in order, you've likely played Spider-Man before it, yeah. And so you've gone through these big emotional movements, and you understand what Spider-Man is for. And so in the game, in Miles Morales, they don't have to give you that. They give you um, what did I write down here? I said. Um, uh, less Troy Baker as a classic white hero because he generally plays that in a lot of games. Sure, that makes sense. And it's more of Troy Baker as the modern white corporate villain. And I was like, that is that's great. That's something that we don't see a lot of. And in movies, it's hard to do because, like, even with Kingpin, 
he has to be a crime boss. He has to be overbearing. He's massive. He's powerful. Yeah. In this, it's like, no, Krieger is like, like, just- Like Kingpin is kind of like a stereotype of a stereotype. Exactly, yeah. right? Whereas, and, and even in Miles Morales, like the Kingpin character in the game, which you beat as yeah. Spider-Man beforehand, you're like, even he is like a little bit over the top. Krieger is like straight up capitalist. He's just oh, like, yeah. oh, I'm in it for the money and the power. Like he doesn't care about destroying all of Harlem. No, it's irrelevant. And I was like, to me, that's the true villain because that guy- he understands what's happening. There are spider people in his universe. He's, he gets on side Rhino, a guy who clearly has something going on beyond the norm, right? Yeah. And he doesn't give a shit. He's not like, oh, I'm out of place in this superpowered world. He's like, oh no, capitalism always wins and I'm in charge of that, which means I'm in charge. Like that CEO energy, I'm like, that's villainy. That's oh true evil. God. It's wonderful, and when it's like you, when you know what's really fucked is you're you're, you're saying this, and I'm and I it is it's making me think of some of the comments from some of the, like the big CEOs happening in the writers and actors strike for Hollywood. Yeah, hundred percent. Spider Man like, has the best enemies because they feel real. Like that, like the the quote that came out about like uh, the person saying like the strike will go on until people lose their houses and it will keep going. And, and that guy's making $27 million a year. I'm like, what? are you fucking kidding Outrageous. me? Like, that's evil. It is evil. That's corporate evil. And that's that's the true evil and injustice in the world. So I really liked that Spider-Man had that as his villain, right? Yeah. And obviously, towards the end, they mix it up a little bit. Uh, and I, I assume it's because, um, you know, if you're doing a video game, you need a bit of action. And you can't really have Miles Morales beat the shit out of a CEO who doesn't have any superpowers because he'd probably kill him. You don't want to have them have a fist fight, right? He has to beat him through other means. Yeah, he's got he's got to, he's got to beat him through the justice system. Exactly, and yeah. so the fight is, of course, with the Tinkerer Finn, and I really loved how they handled that because that is what I'm talking about when we talk about like embodying and inverting the premise. Yeah, is Miles is prepared to kill himself in order to save everyone else. He absorbs all that power from that big um, uh, reactor thing. Yep the giant battery and he's like I'm going to die. He's his mask is off. People have seen him. And that's he's, where yeah. the, like the tinkerer like sees what he's doing and is recognizing it. like he's actually yeah. going to sacrifice himself to save everyone. Yeah. And she's like well she's too far gone so she decides to save Miles, take that burden from him and like and do it herself instead. Yeah. And it's that and moment that, that that character arc. Right? So yeah. that's that's the premise being inverted. Up until that moment, Finn's character Jasmine Savoy Brown's character, Finn, the tinkerer, is being destroyed by the premise. She she cannot resolve in herself that it's okay to sacrifice yourself for the greater good. The injustice of what happened to her and her family and, and the injustice of what capitalism is doing to Harlem and to New York and to the world, she cannot abide it and she is willing to kill for it. And it's not until the very end where she finally sees what self-sacrifice actually looks like. It's not going hell-bent and killing everyone. It's being prepared to let yourself die and, and be broken in order to do the right thing. And I love when they do, because that performance capture, man, she's incredible. Oh God. The look on her face and she's like, it's okay, let it go. I'm like, I very rarely cry in video games, but I was like, oh my God, I teared up, man. That hit me. Yeah, I was shocked because I think playing it through and, and I platinumed it, right? Toot my own little fucking horn there. I platinumed <laughs> it. It somehow felt more fulfilling the second time knowing that like, I, 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 I know more about Miles as a character. I've seen across the Spider-Verse. I know what this self-sacrifice that he's prepared to do is going to feel like. Yep. And then for her to do that and for him to see it, I'm like that Miles in the video game, he knows he's, he's real Spider-Man now. He went all the way to the edge and he was ready to go over. And then he watched someone that was his childhood friend. Yeah. 
his childhood friend prepared to kill people, take the hit herself. And for him, that's like fundamentally making him into the Spider-Man that he's 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 destined it, to be. It's fucking awesome. And now like leading into Spider-Man too, because like Spider-Man yeah. Miles Morales, like Peter Parker Spider-Man is away for it. So like it's it's Miles' first time being Spider-Man on his own. And he gets there. He he becomes Spider-Man at the end. And then like Peter Parker Spider-Man comes back and in the second game they're both like equally Spider-Man. Yeah. It's not like like one is teaching the other anymore. No. They're both at the same level. I think once you've uh, experienced that deep, heart-rending tragedy and you still continue, you, you're real Spider-Man now. You're not a trainee anymore. You, you, the training wheels come off. I, I'm really excited about that because I know that one of the key tenets of Spider-Man in all all media is that like he's always rooting for the little guy. Yeah. He's, he's like, he deals with street level crime and big villains, right? Yeah. He'll stop some dude mugging an old lady for her purse on the street on his way to work. That's that's who he is. And it's like when he finally realizes that he's not going to be able to do both all the time. He's not going to be able to save everyone. And it's like in, in Miles Morales, you know, the mask is off. He's all injured. The people who see him and who kind of bring him his mask, that's such a beautiful moment. Oh, yeah. Because it's like and, they and, know and that, that crowd. Because like, yeah. he's, like he's their Spider-Man. They stop the press from coming up. Yeah. Like, I was they're, like, like they're protecting yeah, him. Yeah, that's how you know he's made it, right? Because now they know no matter what, he's got their back. That's a really good parallel too because at the start of the game, like uh, Miles is going up to people and they're all like praising Peter Parker Spider-Man. Yeah, yeah. And he's like, what about that new guy? What do you think of him? Blah, 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 blah. And there's that guy doing like the big graffiti mu- uh, mural of yeah. Spider-Man. Yeah. And it's like, he should add a new guy. And he's like, oh yeah, I don't know. See how he goes, blah, 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 blah. And then like at the end of the game, like they like it, that, that redemption, that earning, like people are recognizing him now on that same level. It's come full circle. Yeah. It's really, it's really cool. It's quintessential Spider-Man stuff right there. Yeah. This idea that like he's, he's a hero of the people. You know, if he lives in a world with Iron Man and Captain America and Thor and blah, 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 which obviously like in the film and game, they don't really get into. They're very singular in the world they live in. They do They do reference them though. And so they do they, have so Avengers so Tower do, does exist in the game. Yeah. Yeah. So like uh, they kind of imply that like in the Insomniac universe, they are around. They are around. We just don't, we just don't see them. They don't, uh, yeah. that's too difficult licensing wise. We don't worry about it, but they're in that universe. They acknowledge that. Yeah. But I just love the idea they, that They even like, acknowledge um, Black Panther. Oh, they do. Well. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I, I love the idea that he... Like in this universe, Spider-Man, like he's cruising around, like he, okay, he stops the reactor from exploding, right? That in in any other Marvel media, Iron Man or somebody would have shown up. Avengers Tower is in New York. Yeah. Like somebody would have turned up and gone, what the fuck is going on? Miles, you better explain yourself. Would have been a great scene, right? But I think quintessential Spider-Man is that he doesn't need to do that. He's the hero of the people and the people know that. And I feel like in that universe- whoever Tony Stark is and like Iron Man or whatever, they're like, Spider-Man's got this. Like they know yeah. I don't have to step in. He's got this under control. Yeah. I'm curious if they're going to stick with that in beyond the Spider-Verse, if we're not going to see any of the others, but it's like if Spot turns up and, and the, and the Avengers or any other powered beings do live in that world. And we haven't seen them yet. If Spot is literally about to destroy the entirety of that dimension, like, Surely somebody else turns up. I mean, because that is an Avengers level threat, right? Right. And, and like, like Spot turns into not just the nemesis for Miles, but like that dude is a world ending date. He's like, he's a multiversal threat. Yeah. Uh, probably like the biggest threat ever, like bigger than Thanos. Yeah. And so you're like, okay, do the other Avengers just not know? And that's why it's up to the Spider-Verse team I mean, to prob- do it? Probably. Because like, you know, d- like they have also referenced a confirmed like the MCU universe in terms of this Spider-Verse, right? Yeah. 
like Charles Gambino's Prowler. Yeah, Donald Glover as as his Prowler is in the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and and that that's Andrew the Garfield shows up at a certain point. Yep. No, yep. but like like specifically um, Donald Glover Prowler. That's yep. MCU Prowler. Yeah. And so like they're kind of like teasing that ahead of the next Spider Man movie. But then, then also Miguel specifically references Doctor Strange and Spider Man from Earth one nine 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 nine. Still a point of contention. Which, which is MCU. Yeah. But is it because... Well, it's meant to be. It's Well, uh, Kevin Feige does not agree with you on that one. Oh, what, what does he think? Okay, so this is like super nerd shit right here. The In the background of all this, the Earth designations are not agreed upon. Oh, I know, I, 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 I know this. So according to Sony and... Because like I think Kevin Feige think, uh, wants like the MCU Earth to be the same as like the default comic Correct, Earth. which is 616. Yep. That's not right because the MCU and the comics are separate. Yeah. And so they should be separate universes. Yes. So I think there's a bit of marketing and there's a bit of, there'll be a bit of arguing back and forth when uh, it might've been when Dr. Strange came out and like they- the first Dr. Strange? No, 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 the second one. And they, the multiverse of madness, like when they first yeah, did the yeah, multiverse yeah. thing. And what happened was they pointed to, uh, oh no, it must've been- Wait, was it, it must have been Spider-Man Far From... No, you know what? It was Doctor Strange 2 because... Because no, Spider-Man Far From Home, they do talk about multiverse. They do, but they don't name the dimensions. In Doctor Strange 2, they specifically name Earth 616 as as the Earth that Doctor Strange is from. Oh, and that is incorrect. That is, that is incorrect. And this caused a problem because Kevin, God bless him, made some sort of... In an interview somewhere or a tweet or something, was like, no, the MCU is 616... It is the live action adaptation of the comics and the audience, the nerds went fucking ape shit and were like, how dare you? Yeah, that is, you can't you do that. You cannot do that. Like the comics predate the cinematic universe also, by quite a margin. It also like, so in context of the universe, it would also make sense that each universe doesn't agree as well. Yeah, so which like, is I think what ended up being the resolution. Yeah. Yeah, so like, like Earth 1999-99, right? In its universe, calls itself six one six, but every other universe refers to it as yeah. nineteen ninety nine. And you could very easily fix that in canon at some point in one of the future films, where somebody corrects them and goes, "Shh, don't do that." Kind of like how they corrected the the Infinity Gauntlet. Exactly. Yeah. 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 So I, I have a suspicion that that's what's happening there. But I do remember when it first happened. People, like there was a fair bit of um, kerfuffle, shall we say, online, <laughs> where people were like. Technically, Kevin is voice of God when it comes to the MCU. Whatever he says is canon because he is the producer of all of the MCU films. Right? Yeah. He's in charge of it. He, he's got like the biggest showrunner role on the planet. But but the fan base of Marvel as a whole predates the MCU and, and they are the audience. And yeah. at what point does the thing that he created no longer belong to him? And it was like pretty much the second it went to cinema. The, f- the second, oh, yeah. the very I mean, first I mean, film. I mean, this is the classic like audience participation feel like they yeah. have like ownership, like yeah. a, a stake of ownership in the, in the product, right? And they, and they do. And a producer who doesn't realize that is a fool. Your audience- Because they're, they're not going to keep watching no. if, they, if they don't have ownership. You can't, you can't- They don't have to like literally legally have ownership, but they, no. they, but they need to feel like they, they can own the experience yeah. and the character. Because, because it's for them. They're buying exactly. the product, right? Yeah. When you make a movie- Okay, so like when you're in film school, they tell you don't write or make films for someone else. Write, write and make the films that you want to see because you will do a better job and you're not alone. There, there must be an audience for it because you are not actually that unique and special, right? If you think it's a cool idea, there's a good chance 10% of the population also think it's a good idea. But that also doesn't mean it'll do well financially. No, it doesn't. 
And so what, what part of why the reason they do this is when you do the business of filmmaking and you have to start thinking about who is the audience, they don't necessarily mean what we do these days with like late stage capitalism. And we go, right, um, put a woman in this, make that character ethnic. Um, we're going to do t-shirts for that. Like it's not the marketing spiel. What they're really saying is understand who it is that you have written this for by accident. You wrote it for yourself. Yeah, you're yeah. making this for yourself, but who are you? Yeah, I mean, when you're trying to identify the audience, you're not like breaking down yourself. Yeah. You're trying to analyze and understand who else it appeals yeah. to. What type of people are going to enjoy this? Because that is who we need to that's market why, it That's to. why you talk about a user story. Like exactly. you come up with a person made up being like, okay, this is this person. They do this for a living. They're doing this on the day. This, this is maybe like they're into this genre or they found out found out about the thing like this. And yeah. this is how they found the movie. And this is why they like it. Right. And so if you do all of that, you can get a pretty clear picture of who your audience is. When you do that, you need to understand that those people don't have to watch your movie. They don't have to buy your product. If you want them to, you have to give them some ownership over that. Yeah. Right? When you have a multi-million dollar this franchise- is why they, This is why they do like reveals, like first time yeah. reveals at Comic-Con. Yeah. It's for the audience because the audience is the reason the thing makes money and they get to make another one. Yeah. If, you, if your audience is offside, you're fucked. Because if no one is buying your product, then you shouldn't be making that product. So you do run into a situation where, you know, and this is true of like Star Wars recently to a certain extent, um, the new CEO, new CEO, returning CEO, Bob Iger, we'll do a podcast on that oh. at some point. Oh my God. He came out and basically said what the actors and writers are asking for is unreasonable, blah, 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 blah. And he makes an ungodly sum this of is, money. This is, this is about the strikes. This is about the strikes, yeah. yeah. And yeah. and and part of the reason that that pissed people off is he talked about how Star Wars needs to take a step back on content, right? Less movies, less TV, blah, 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 blah. I mean, that's just so they can have more time for the strike. And it, Well, more time for the strike, but also he's not wrong. Uh, the product will get better if they take their time with it. Right? Well, they're, they're saying the same thing about uh, Marvel yeah. stuff now too. Well, it's all Disney, so. It's all Disney. Nothing gets past the mouse. No. So they, they, having that step back is good. And what, half of that, maybe less than half of that, is an acknowledgement that the audience is getting offside with the product, right? If, if, even if you're shilling the most sought-after thing, you're shilling the next big Star Wars moment, right? You know some people are going to go and see this movie no matter what you put out. Oh, it's like, you know, the, the, like Taika Waititi doing a Star Wars movie. Yeah, right. Like, it, doesn't, it, it, it honestly like doesn't matter how good that movie is going to be. It's going to do well regardless. Here's the thing though. It, it will do well, but it could do incredibly well. Well, yes. And so that's what they're trying to figure and, and, out and now. And also like, like the next Star Wars project after that, Will, will depend on exactly. how well that one does. So so it makes sense for them to acknowledge the audience are getting tired of this and we're not giving them what we have promised them or they're not they're not happy with the quality of what we're giving them. You can't just keep doing it and go, you know, let them eat cake. Let them let them have the mush film. It doesn't matter because at a certain point it does fall over and it's like I might keep reading the comics but I am not beholden to go and like I'll give you this one. I, I, uh, I'm not going to go and see any of the next two DC films because I just don't care anymore. I don't. I, I stopped seen, reading the comics I, too. I haven't seen 90% of DC films. Yeah. I, uh, so, I I mean, side tangent, but like I was already not going to see The Flash, because, yeah. mainly because of Ezra Miller. Yeah, yeah. And then I heard about everything else behind <laughs> it and how much of a fucking mess it is. And I'm like... Even if I was going to casually watch that, I don't want to support that. No, Fuck you don't want to. You don't want to pay money for that. No. And this is this is what I mean. You you end up with um, 
you as as the business, you have to start making decisions that are not necessarily good for capitalism or for your bottom dollar, but you're trying to protect the brand because you you know the audience are actually the the end goal here. If the audience isn't buying it, then you have fucked up. Yeah. I think for me, be, be across the Spider-Verse and Miles Morales, and I'm, I'm looking forward to Spider-Man 2. I'm going to play the shit out of it. Oh, I think it's going to be so much fun. They have like reawakened in me a joy of Spider-Man. So I've gone back and started reading the comics again. You know, it's interesting because I think it's a similar thing for me, but in terms of like, especially like superhero characters and like a franchise character and that kind of thing, because uh, everything you're saying, is, it makes a lot of sense. I don't watch a lot of DC. I don't I really care that much about Star Wars. Sorry. Um, MCU stuff I'm also kind of dropping off by but Spider-Man is one I keep coming back to I'll, yeah. ha- I'll have I'll go up and down there'll be times where, like I'm sick of superhero stuff for a while but like Spider-Man consistently has kind of like kept drawing me back in it's, I think it's because they keep doing something fresh with it like yeah. okay we didn't I don't know if we've talked about it yet but like the soundtrack of oh Across my the Spider-Verse God. fucking slaps it's so I, hard I, I'm, I'm making a, a habit whenever I drive uh, to your place to do yeah. a podcast recording I'll listen to the soundtrack of the game and the movie in the car yeah and I checked on the, the Spider-Verse soundtrack on it's Spotify so good. it's so fucking good big shout out to uh, Daniel Pemberton uh, composer that that dude oh my goodness you fucking crushed it that soundtrack is amazing yeah. There's something about that where you go, okay, if if Miles Morales, right? I mean, okay, when he was first created as a character, there was a lot of backlash about like, we don't need a black Spider-Man, yeah. blah, 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 blah. And I, mean, I mean, that sounds like, you know, like any kind of like classic bullshit backlash, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, 100%. And now you're like, oh, people are like, oh, I get it. He's black Spider-Man. Uh, that's why there's like hip hop this and it's like he's into graffiti and blah, blah. And it's like street culture and like hip hop culture. And I'm like- do you grasp though why that's interesting? Because they were able to take the core essence of what Spider-Man is, you know, from from the white bread New York upper class dude, yeah. and give it to a black kid from Harlem, and it still works because and, and, the core of what and Spider-Man now they, they is. They can relate to that character. Yeah, you've opened that character up to a whole segment of society who looked at white Spider-Man and went, that's not our guy. Yeah. Who the fuck is this guy? Yeah. Now there's a character who represents those same core values. But they can relate to, it. and it's like that makes sense to me. Why? It's the same reason why, like, uh, like uh, Black Panther when it premiered, like yeah. everyone who related strongly, yeah. like, came out for it because, like, it, it's it's their MCU hero. Yeah, and it's, like they yeah. they finally have like their character that they can relate with. This is the hero for us. Yeah, and it's like it in, makes a big difference. You've got uh, Indian Spider Man pa- Paviter. Yeah, that dude again, same thing, right? He's embodying those core values in a way that you're like, that's Spider Man. I recognize that that's Spider Man, but he comes from a totally different culture, and also still like takes Spider Man, but makes it unique for that culture. Exactly. I was like, that's fucking gold. Like that to me is why this character is so special. You you can do like, anything like, like that. Spider Man. I mean, they make a joke at the start of the movie when when Spot is trying to steal an ATM. Yeah, and then they, and they make the thing like, why do people call it an ATM machine? It's just an ATM. Yeah, and then Indian Spider Man being like, chai tea, chai tea. It's just chai. Yeah, and it's true though. There's like, there's a whole thing it's of so like, funny. when you if if you can if you can lift the premise and the core essence of what a thing is and what makes it good, and you understand it on a really deep level, you can paint that with any palette you want. Yeah, and you will end up with something worthwhile. Yeah, and I'm like that to me is why Spider Man is so special and like. You can have Miles Morales the game or Spider-Man 1 or Spider-Man 2 or you can take any of the Spider-Man films or the animated films on a 
fundamental level, I like the character and I don't care if he's white, black, Indian. I don't care who his villain is because I know that the the struggles that they're facing and the, the themes that they're tackling are things that interest me and that I relate to or I'm fascinated by. That is a character that is worth billions. And you can see oh, why yeah. Sony is like holding onto it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It makes me think too of like, um, you know, there's the HBO series reboot for Harry Potter happening. And people are like, I can't see anyone but Daniel Radcliffe being Harry Potter. Or like similar where people will say like, I can't see anyone but Robbie Downey Jr. being Iron Man. Yeah. It's kind of thing like, well, no, they can and they should have different actors and portrayals. But it's because it hasn't been established yet. Spider-Man is probably like the go-to character that has yeah. had yeah. so many different iterations that you understand the character and not like the character tied to a specific likeness. Yeah. And it's, it's actually, that's a really good point is that like you can have hip hop culture Spider-Man and, you know, he's got, he's got, what well, I can't remember which suit he's up to now, but it's like in Across the Spider-Verse, people keep asking him, like, are you bleeding from the armpits? Yeah, I, I love like a good running joke. Like right, he's well. got like the, the, the red speed lines yeah. on the outfit. And it's like, you don't, like, he is unique and expresses himself. And when you start to see all the other Spider-Man and you're like, oh, I get it. Like Hobie the Spider-Punk yeah. and his outfit. And you're like, I get it. Like, yeah. like within that core value of what Spider-Man is, they get to be expressive and do what they need to do. And it's like, that's harder to do with some of the other characters. And like also Iron the, Man, I don't know if I'm going to see Iron Punk and feel the same way. No, or, or like or like samurai style Iron Man. Right? Yeah. Like, I don't know if I would buy that. But then you're like, but Spider-Man, for some reason, I've, I'm 100% on board. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, I get it. Spider T-Rex? Fuck yeah. Makes yeah. total sense. Also, also, like all the spider people are like ribbing him and, and, and making that same joke and kind of like teasing about the outfit. Yeah. But it's done in that kind of like recognizing that they're doing the same thing. Like they're not yeah. actually like making fun of him. They're kind of like teasing him, teasing him and ribbing him because they're all one and the same. Yeah. Yeah. Like that, that idea that they're all funny. And yeah. when, uh, when, uh, is it spider Gwen rocks up and makes, she makes some sideways comment about spot and one Spider-Man makes a joke. Yeah. And then all of a sudden she's like, okay, does anybody else have a joke? And they don't even like, <laughs> they don't even focus on what the jokes are. It just pops up like hundreds of them. Yeah, I was like, yeah, that's yeah. fucking Spider-Man. Yeah, yeah. That feels very <laughs> yeah. real. It's so good. I, I do think for me, the soundtrack, the art style, all, all of that make the film already incredible. I mean, the animation and art style um, from Into the Spider-Verse, yeah. it, it like ended up being groundbreaking for the industry as well. Because yeah. so, so many movies have since like kind of like, copied that yeah well not necessarily copied but like try no, but it inspired yeah exactly and you know like copying is like the best form of of what's the saying compliment Co yeah it's the highest form of flattery yeah That's yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah like like people like trying to do the same thing is not a bad thing by any means no. and i mean we just we just mentioned the teenage mutant ninja turtles movie the yeah. the new one has such a unique animation style yeah yeah because of things like into the spider verse yeah. and they like, were they were taking a risk like looking at it you can see how to how they're using a lot of the same like processes and methods as yeah. spider verse but they're also still doing the kind of like own thing where like everything looks like hand drawn yeah. and, and like texture markings it like, looks it looks so cool not not to shit on uh, pixar too hard here but like elemental came out around the same time as across the spider verse and i haven't heard shit about anybody caring about that movie uh. it looks Super I heard, I heard apparently the, the story, like the narrative specifically, is underwhelming. Right, and so it's kind of like it doesn't. It lacks all of the things. Well, that I haven't, I haven't seen it, so like take it with yeah. a grain of salt. But like it, the trailer looked boring. The soundtrack sounds boring. Like nothing about that. Apparently, film. visually, like like the animation, it does look really good. But to be honest, like I'm more after like the unique, 
like experimental yeah. stylized stuff. Yeah. And that's what Spider-Verse is doing. Now that now that I've had a taste of that, I want more. I want and if so you're, much more. If you're giving me generic CGI traditional Pixar animation, I'm out. I don't give a well, fuck. Also like, also like the quote unquote live action Disney movies, like, uh, like the Lion King and stuff. I'm like, fuck that. I saw, I saw, yeah. I saw the new Little Mermaid, and you know, if you like the Little Mermaid and you like that classic like Disney princess movie, sure, it's fine. But like, honestly, I was I was more upset about um, what they did with like live action Sebastian and live action Flounder, and I was just oh like, oh my god, please no, I don't, I don't want that. It I mean, was so I mean, much better I mean, animated. Also, uh, the the Mermaid King just looks like the guy's face, yeah, like floating on a body. It's really weird. What I, what I probably would have liked. And they may do this, right? If you're going to reboot The Little Mermaid and make it new and exciting, don't go live action. Do something like Into the Spider-Verse yeah. or Across the Spider-Verse. I think do I, a different animation so style. Much, it, it, again, like, I mean, that's why I like the classic like 2D animated films work so well and people keep coming back to them. Like, um, watched Emperor's New Groove again recently. <laughs> Fucking classic movie. Yeah. And, I, like, and a, a really interesting animation style. Yeah. They went and did some weird shit with it. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. And like, like I, I will always go back to that one, but like any of these new live action Disney movies, I'm like, yeah. nah, I'm never, I'm, gonna, I'm never gonna watch the live action Lion King. If I'm gonna watch Lion King, I'm gonna go to the original. Yeah, yeah. I don't know the the, you know, bring bringing it back to this, I do think there's a fear that Spider Man is like overdone, or like that, um, you know, we've, we've had how many reboots, how many different versions, yeah. blah blah blah. Well, that, well, that's why too, like in Into the Spider Verse, like we know the origin story, we yeah. don't need to go through it. Like there's five of us. You know why we're here. Yeah, you get it. I, I do like though that that kind of forces them to be more creative yeah. with the execution. Yeah. It's not enough to do another Spider-Man movie. You have to have a reason that I'm going to go and see the 20th Spider-Man movie. And they fucking nailed it. And it's like that to me is like, I'm going to play the next game. Not and, because- and, and like on the surface, that reason for the new one is the animation style. Yeah. But then you go in and like every other aspect of it knocks it out of the park, yeah. including the writing, yeah. the music, the performances, everything. Like the animation is like the first entry point yeah. to seeing the rest of how amazing it is as well. It's on, but that's I, the trick. The rest yeah. of it has to be amazing. Everything, yeah. All of it has to be like 10 out of 10s. Yeah, and it does. And it's like, for me, that's why I know that the new Spider-Man 2 game is probably going to feel a lot like Miles Morales and Spider-Man yeah. 1. But I, that's also not a bad thing. Not a bad thing. What I'm looking forward to is the bits that they are going to get to expand on. What, yeah. How are we going to use these two Spider-Men together? Do I flip between them at will? Are their powers complementary, adversary? You know, how will Venom come into it? Yeah. It's this sort of we stuff where I'm like- We haven't really seen Venom. Yeah. Uh, we haven't seen Harry Osborn Venom. Yeah. So I'm very keen to see what that looks like. And they do have um, the, I don't know if you saw this, but there's a, a mid-credits uh, sting in the game, Miles Morales. Notably, there are no post-credits in- Oh, for, for Venom? It's not for Venom. It's, uh, I think, it is a uh, Hobgoblin tease. So, wait, wait, hang on. Which which tease was this? So this is, at the end of Miles Morales, Yeah. the first part of the credits roll. Yep. And then you get a scene where it is, what's his name? Osborne Senior uh, is in his lab, and it, they're talking about his son is in, like, a green tube, yeah, and you're, like, looking from his son's yeah, perspective. Yeah, and, and Venom, is, Venom is in there. Venom's in there, but... In the wider canon, people may not realize this. I don't know if Peter has come up against Green Goblin in his video game universe yet. Oh, so, he may not have. Yeah. So Osborne Senior starts as Green Goblin, right? He yep. becomes that villain. We all know this. This is from the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man era, blah, 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 yep. blah. Harry Osborne becomes Hobgoblin at some point. 
because his father is dead and he gets the same kind of mental sickness. Do you reckon we'll get a venom- venomized hobgoblin? I, I think it's possible. That'd because be I'm cool. like, if you're going to do something where you're remixing these characters and you're doing something new, yeah. which they have been doing, I'm like, that's going to be exciting. Like, it gives you freedom to kind of go, what if we took an element from the wider canon that everyone is familiar with and much like Across the Spider-Verse, we remixed it into something different. Yeah. And you're like, you know who the Prowler is, but you've never seen Miles Morales as the Prowler. I'm like, oh, I'm into that. Yeah. Show me what that looks like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm looking forward to that. And I think that's why I'm still excited. And potentially I would, I, maybe I'm more excited about Spider-Man than I have been in a really long time since I was a kid. Because I, mean, I think legitimately the same because like these, yeah. like all these new entries are, are so much more like fresh. We're getting fresh, fresh material. I love that. I want, I, you know, tell me the same story a thousand times, but every time you do it, give me something new and exciting and different. Give Invert me like a, a, like a little twist to a different yeah. flavor, a little different note. Um, when you played Spider-Man, like the first one and then played Miles Morales, did, did Peter Parker look different? Did you get like the different model? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. When I first played it, um, I I got the. I must have played it when it very first came out. Well, because I because I played Spider Man like not that long ago, and like it was the original model of Peter Parker, and then like playing Spider Man Miles Morales, and it's the new one. And, like I, I I don't know why they changed it. I think they actually. Oh, maybe I'm wrong about this. I was under the impression they had retroactively gone back and updated Spider Man One with that model. I think they have, and so but, that is now the. But model. I think the version that I played didn't have that update. Do you know? Why this happened? No, well, yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm like, I'm kind of upset because I kind of preferred the original one. A lot of people did. Um, so that is to do with performance capture. And some of that is actually to do with a lot of what's happening with the strikes at the moment. So the, the physical uh, performance capture is one thing. But in the, in the original game, they did a face capture of a performer. And that performer oh. did not sign on for sequels and does not want to participate in sequels. And because of this, they don't want to have to pay royalties and also not use him for the sequels. So what they did was they went back and they replaced him. So he will not get royalties for that facial capture because he's not in the fucking game anymore. Fucking hell. Okay. I mean, that makes a lot of sense now as to why they've done it. Yeah. Uh, I'm still upset about it. Yeah, it's it's upsetting. This happened. The reason I know this and the (laughs) reason this is so stupid. Huge nerd warning. Um, The reason I know this, you may recall when Destiny, the very first Destiny was announced Peter Dinklage voiced the ghost. Right. And this was at the height of Peter Dinklage's fame. Uh, Game of Thrones was super hot yeah, at the time. Yeah, it was like peak Game of Thrones time. It was yeah. like 10 years ago. It's huge, right? Yeah. Um, so Peter Dinklage as a ghost was fantastic. However, there's a we could do a whole podcast episode just about the trials and tribulations of what Destiny is, and I would very much enjoy I mean, that. I'm, I'm definitely, like, I haven't played Destiny. I'm very much like, uh, I'd, I'd be an observer on the outlines, not knowing anything. So I'd, I'd be happy for you to take me through. Oh, don't worry. Uh, even if you picked it up today, you still wouldn't learn anything because the story is a fucking hash. But anyway, <laughs> so Peter Dinklage does these lines. It's a running gag for people who love the game because he, no one told him, I won't go into it. I won't get into too much. Basically, he gave a lackluster performance as a voice actor. Because no one told him like what they were He didn't know what the fuck was going on nobody sure right no like it's funny how like you can have a good performer but if they have no direction they don't really know what they're like what to give so uh there was i can't actually remember how far this got it might have been all the way to the taken king expansion so it was like a good couple years worth of destiny where peter dinklage is the ghost the lines are not great but people love peter dinklage we call him dinklebot or Dinkle Ghost. Oh, right? I, I think you've talked to me about this, actually. Yeah, so I, lo- I love that voice very much, and it's very meaningful. And they replaced him with Nolan North, 
And oh. when they did this, they didn't just do like an in-universe, he sounds different now. They just like- Replaced every They line. replaced all the lines. He re-recorded all of the original dialogue. Peter Dinklage is nowhere in that game anymore. And so one of the reasons that happened wasn't just because they were not satisfied with Peter's performance. It's because they didn't want to have to pay him royalties ad nauseum for potentially 10 years for that performance. So they didn't just record new lines. They went back and had Nolan re-record the old lines. It's, it's, it this makes is really, sense. This is really interesting. It makes me think about like archiving games. Yeah. And like, you know, when, when you're trying to preserve games and preserve stuff, like, like what do you do when you try to draw out the line of like different versions of the game yeah. when, when uh, games are retroactively updated and stuff like, you know, Borderlands 3 and onwards have a, has like the different voice actor for Claptrap. Yeah. Um, Skullgirls recently had, had a lot of changes uh, because like that game is very like upskirty and lots of cleavage, but like that's- Fan servicey. Yeah. Very fan servicey, but like very specific because like that's their target primary audience, right? And that's yeah. who they're selling it to. And they updated the games to censor a lot of that. And the audience is very upset about it because like that's why they buy those games. How dare they? Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, form your own opinion on that. But like there's, there's a very interesting thing about like when you're preserving games or when you know what, it, when you're understanding what a game is, when things, uh, like movies don't really get this that much, right? Where like uh, the, the, the one product will change a lot over time. I mean, I know some movies have. Star Wars is Star Wars, very guilty of Star, this. Star Wars is the number one example. Lord of the Rings a little bit as well. Um, Actually, do you know what? It's, it's mostly Disney that does it. Yeah. Uh, they have a real habit of editing stuff and not telling anyone. So there's a lot of stuff on Disney streaming at the moment that if you didn't know, they have fully edited and removed things and added things and changed yeah. things. And it's like, it's not until a Netflix fan- Netflix has done it as well. Netflix has done it as well, not to the same extent. But but yeah, you'll 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 see someone online go, am I am I smoking crazy grass here? No, or it, it's a it's a really interesting thing, especially like when something is sold and marketed as one thing, yeah. and then like you know a month or a year later, it's edited to be slightly different. Yeah, but they they've still sold and made money off the original thing. It's kind of wild because you the 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 creator believes that they have the right to make those changes, right, and and that that can happen at any time. But as an audience member, you're like, I paid for a product and now you're changing that product after the fact and I don't like that. Yeah. You're like, I get why you're doing it. It makes total sense. But it's annoying that I didn't get a choice or like you've gone and updated something without asking and me. And like there, there are different cases where like it has been done to better the product. Like like 13 Reasons Why would be a big one mm. on Netflix. Uh, like removing some of the scenes and uh, like, ex- like some of the stuff that's explicitly shown that you probably don't need to see. But that's also like after public outcry and stuff like that too. Yeah. So, so that that's like its own unique example. A lot of this other stuff though, though it can it can be misleading. It, mm. can, it can be like like you you have one thing and then the other. But like I think specifically in terms of like preserving stuff for art and the history of stuff, like um, Iron Man. The first Iron Man is now in like the National Film Archive. Yeah. As like a classic movie, right? And it's the first like superhero movie that's gone in that's gone in there. That's a very specific version of that movie. Yeah. What if Disney went and like re-edited that movie and, and and all of a sudden like it gives it a completely different perspective? Yeah. Like, what does that mean? It's like where 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 do we draw that line? It's really interesting. I don't know where we draw. It is interesting because if you were to look like the Spider-Man example is, is a fascinating one. They all they all they actually did was change a character model. That was it. But 
and and understanding why makes sense. Yeah, like it makes sense, but it's like. But for the experience, if you don't right? know that, and then all of a sudden you're going into Miles Morales and Spider Man looks different, and it's a, like it's not the same Spider Man. I, w- I wouldn't even say that's the issue, right? Going into Miles Morales, sure, new Spider Guy, whatever, man, I'll figure it out, right? Yeah. It's it's Spider Man, but but if I own a copy of Spider Man on on the disc, which I do, right? So if you have that you can still see the original character model. I think that's probably why I did see it because yeah. I, I have the disc version. Of Whereas it. for me, I don't own the disc version. I foolishly, like a moron, have paid to have a license to the game digitally. I don't actually own it. It's PS Plus. So you have, yeah, have so I'm, yeah. I'm leasing it from Sony and they have decided to change what the product that I'm leasing is. This isn't, I mean, this can go on to another topic too yeah. of like no games do like physical versions anymore. Even... Like Spider-Man Two coming out, you can get the like collector's edition. You get a steelbook case of the game, the sexual this kind of stuff. You don't get a disc. No disc. You no get disc. a steelbook, but there's no disc of a copy of the game. Yep. You don't actually get a copy of the game. Yeah. When you buy the collector's edition, you get a, like a digital key to yeah. download it, but you don't actually own the game. You just have all this stuff around it. Yeah. I mean, Destiny Two, same thing. There's the the final. I'm doing air quotes here. Final expansion is February of next year. The final shape. And they've announced a special collector's edition. And it's a huge thing. If you're like me, you've been playing it for 10 years. You're like, I might actually buy the special edition. I might buy the collector's edition. It comes with a little statue of one of the characters. I'm kind of into that. No disc. And it's like, why? And they go, well, because the game at this point is like 300 fucking gig. You're not going to fit it on a Blu-ray anyway. But it's like, yeah, I, I understand that. But, but also, there's been plenty of times too with games in the past yeah. where, like, okay, you have four discs to install split, it. Split the discs, yeah. That's but like, no, no, it's a live service game. We don't do that. And I'm like, ah, but then why are you charging me like 120 dollars, like for the statue? And I was like, you're taking the piss, guys. That's yeah, that's no, it's entirely it. They don't want to give you an actual copy of the game. They want they, you want to have. They want to give you access. They want to have control, but they yeah. still want to make money off you. But it is an interesting dilemma to have as a creator. Like, if I'm making something and I'm 95 percent happy with it. And I release it. Like I have, I'm not going to plug it because there's complicated reasons, but I have a film on a streaming service at the moment. And if I had the opportunity to go back and change something, I might. Like if somebody said to me at no cost, you can go back and tweak the intro that I was never totally sold on. I might do that. I mean, there's a lot of filmmakers that like, that like say like, you never actually get a hundred percent satisfied with like your thing being perfect. Yeah. I think, Probably most of anyone you talk to who, have, who has made a movie, if you ask them, like, if you could go back and change anything, would you? They probably would. Yeah, but I'm like, don't do that. Don't but, give me that choice. Don't give me that opportunity. It's the kind of thing, like, but you shouldn't. You shouldn't, right? You're and, like, like, you... and, like, no, one, no one's ever going to be 100% satisfied. Yeah. If it's good and you're 95% happy with it, it's probably great. Yeah. And, like, I've heard that there are different cuts of Across the Spider-Verse there's uh, at least four versions that exist. Oh, this, uh, oh actually, that, that was another thing. Because like, the, there were articles about two versions being in the cinemas. and Because uh, when I saw it the first time on opening weekend, I noticed that the, the audio was like out of balance. It was really hard to hear a lot of the dialogue mm. sometimes. When I saw it like this week, it was much better. Yeah. Basically, the two versions was an updated like audio balance version. Yeah. It wasn't like extra scenes or anything. But there are two other cuts of the film with the correct sound mix that do have different scenes. Oh, really? Yeah. So we only know this because people have reported seeing different scenes at the cinema. So they didn't just change the sound mix. They did add or remove at least one scene 
that we like that people have noticed. What scene? I, I, I have to look it up. I wouldn't I wouldn't be able to tell you. It's not like a pivotal anything. It's like one of the scenes maybe in in the Nuevo York with like the spider. I, it'd, it'd be like an offshot. Yeah. It's yeah. like there may have been a cameo or something or like a line was spoken and it's not in the new cut. And that's all it is. It's half a second was removed. Sure. Right? So it's not a huge deal, but it's frustrating because then you're like, well, hang on a minute. Have I seen what would be the correct or most up-to-date version? Yeah. Like, are we talking about movies and games as as software now? They're both a type of software that can be updated. Have I seen Across the Spider-Verse 1.0 and there's a, yeah. there's a 1.5 that I might there, enjoy more? Is this the difference between like a theatrical cut and a director's right. cut? Right, and like that's like, a slippery fucking slope. I do not want to go down a process. Oh my God, movies being like update 1.024. Like, I think the problem oh is I God. can imagine and it's a fucking dystopian nightmare. That is late stage well, capitalism. Wait, I mean, but the thing is that's already happening. It's just not labeled that it's just way. It's not labeled that way, but it is happening and I, I hate that. I hate that that's a thing that uh. like the movie that you saw in the cinema is is potentially not just a little bit, but like imagine, vastly different. Imagine like one movie. If you if you watch it once a year, each time you watch it and come back to it, something's changed. Yeah, and it's and it's never the same thing once. I mean, that could be a cool, like experiment to do. Like like if that was the intention, if, if if that was like by design, cool. If it's not, yeah, like holy shit, that's yeah. annoying. And it feels. I think part of the reason I don't like it is it feels a little bit like I'm getting ripped off where it's like, hang on yeah. a minute, you guys charged me full price to go and see a movie that wasn't finished? How dare you? Or like you keep changing things and can't make up your mind yeah. and you're trying to sell it to me like like it's not finished? Yeah, and I'm definitely not going to pay full price to see the next version. You better, you better give me a discounted ticket, but they don't. It's that vibe where I'm like, I get it. I understand. As a creator, I understand it. But I'm also, as an audience member, fuck that. Yeah, we we cannot let that become a thing because oh my god, that's going to be annoying. I, ca- I can't I can't imagine. God help us if if Beyond the Spider Verse comes out early next year and then within a week there's a totally different cut and then a week later there's a different thing and so on and so forth. I'm just going to be like, no, nah, I saw it once. That's enough. Fuck you. And if everyone's like, what are you talking about? The the third version's the best version. I don't give a shit. I'm not doing that. The third version. You man, got you got my money once. That's enough. Get out of here, man. You got to see like version four and a half of Star Wars. Yeah, that that's yeah. that's the best one. That's or oh, that's the good shit. My favorite thing about that argument in Star Wars is how many different versions there are, and like none of them are like the none of them are considered like the best like, or like the go to. Yeah, people are like, listen, whatever version of a New Hope or whatever that you saw, like that's the version. Just roll with that. But then there's purists you know, who are you like, know, no, no, you have to see the theatrical reel because that. That's the original George Lucas, blah 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 blah, and I'm like, dude, you can't get it anymore. You know, one like, of my one of my favorite movies, or, or like I suppose franchises, actually has this a lot. Where like, okay, so so it's Evil Dead Two and Army of Darkness. Oh fuck yeah, I love I love Evil Dead, and the franchise is very inconsistent with like small details. But it's at the point too where like you just tune in, you know, you're gonna have fun. Don't think about it. Enjoy the ride. Yeah. But like yeah. It, both Evil Dead 2 and Army of Darkness have different versions of different endings. Oh. And because the creators, because um, they're owned by different studios, yeah. the creators don't have the, uh, have access to like, they don't actually own Army of Darkness. And yeah. they're trying to continue the story with, without legally being allowed to reference it. But they can reference Evil Dead 2. And like the, nec- the Necronomicon looks different in every movie. Oh my like, God. Uh, like, you know, the Necronomicon between Evil Dead One and Evil Dead Two was found in different parts of the house and in or the cabin in the woods and in Ash vs Evil Dead when they reference it, they they're not clear on yeah. like where it's meant to be. So like, there's no like definitive version. So it's kind of like a little bit mixed and all over the place. 
So it's it is weird. It's still fun. You can go it's into still fun. it. Yeah. You don't you, you don't you don't need it to be very specifically consistent. And like it kind of like tongue in cheek makes a point to be like, yeah, it is inconsistent. You know, we're not going to tell you why, but like blah blah blah. I think when you're self-referential like that, you can kind of get away with a little bit. Yeah. You're like it's the it's the wink to the audience. Like yeah. you and I both know this is not quite right, but like, that's chill. Like there's a point in the show where where they where they reference Ash going back to medieval times, but yeah. only because they can. Because <laughs> uh, at the very end of Evil Dead 2, they showed it, but yeah. they can't actually do anything that happened in Army of Darkness. Yeah. But they can reference that and they can they, they do time travel and they do all this kind of stuff. But like, but we can't like acknowledge why we already know about this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's, it's it's really interesting. I think, look, it, I don't know what the, uh, the future of, of cinema is going to look like. We're in a, a very weird spot at the moment. But I can say that the, the nature of Across the Spider-Verse gives me hope at the at the minimum for animation it gives me hope that these these profound stories of these heroes do have legs still like there's audience getting tired of marvel films for sure right but this proves that 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 tiredness and that kind of waning love is not because we're tired of heroes it's not because we're tired of those type of stories it's that the execution it's is the getting old. It's the cookie cutter. Cookie cutter. Like when that, you do that's something, that's what gets old. When you do something fresh and exciting and innovative, I'm fucking there for it. Yeah. If you want to, if you want to give me, you know, endless stories in the same universe, you have to give it a fresh coat of paint. You got to give it something that's going to get me into the cinema to see it. You know, and I'm like, that's I think where they're where they're crushing it with this. The idea of like into the Spider Verse or across Spider Verse. The Spider Man video games are doing it. I could fully see. I don't know if this would actually go down this way, but I could fully see uh, other video game adaptations of other heroes working in a way that they couldn't previously because they now are free. I mean, Insomniac is doing Wolverine. Right? And I'm like, I'm excited to see what that's going to look like because they clearly have a good finger on the pulse of why these characters are interesting and why they're compelling. I think they're making it R-rated as well. Oh, I'd be fucking pumped for that. It's going to be... Uh, like, I, and like, we don't really know anything about the game yet, just the fact that they're making it. Yeah, and but, like, I'm, but I'm excited. That's enough. They've, and, and, they've and, and shown like, me that I can have faith in them. And they've established that like, they know what they're doing with Spider-Man. Exactly. So, yeah. and, 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 you know, so like Sony is giving them Wolverine as well. So I'm like, all right, I'm, I'm keen. Yeah. I'm ready. I'm going to... I'm gonna, see what you're going to do. Plus, dive you know, in. if you're a comic nerd like me, you know that um, Spider-Man and Wolverine are actually quite good friends. There is very much room for crossover there. Oh, yeah, they, I didn't uh, know that. They have a whole thing where they both date redheads. It's great. It's very <laughs> funny. They, they often have comic uh, uh, runs where they will go off and do stuff together. And it's, it's a constant thorn in Spider-Man's side that Wolverine is fully prepared to kill people, does not give a shit about saving lives because he's got other shit to do. So often it's that uh, Wolverine is the the cutting edge of what they're doing, the, the, the knife point, so to speak. Okay. And Spider-Man is either trying to move bad guys out of his way to save their lives, even without them wanting that. Like the villains aren't aware that Spider-Man is doing them a favor. Yeah. Like Wolverine will just rip you in half. And so it's like, I really like their dynamic. They're both after the same goal. They both have very similar drives, but their methodology is so at odds that you end up with this great like buddy cop style comedy. Fuck yeah. It's very exciting. if, If they pull it off, they may not do it well in the game. It might just be Wolverine. But if they manage to do a crossover where where we get both I mean, characters, maybe there's a DLC there. Yeah, I'm like, I think that would be amazing. That'd be sick. It's one of the reasons I I think I'm very excited about the idea of X Men being in the MCU. That's that breath of fresh air. Yeah, that's that like 
you know, we've we've done to death a lot of the characters that have been on screen. A lot of those actors, like Robert Downey Jr., people go, I can't see anyone else as Iron Man. Dude, Robert Downey Jr. is old as fuck. He does not want to be doing stunts anymore. I don't know if you guys have also, seen- Also, if you, if you want Iron Man, you should get some guy who's in his early 30s. Yeah, if you, I, I don't know how many people have gone out and, actually, this is funny. I do know how many people have gone out and seen Dial of Destiny because it's not very many. <laughs> it is not doing very well at the box office. You know why? People don't want to watch old guys do stunts anymore. We're fucking over it. Pass I mean, the torch, man. I mean, I mean, also that's another one. I mean, Dial of Destiny is specifically another one of those movies too. Where like they're just trying to like do another one from the classic movies from yeah. twenty years ago yeah. to try and cash in on that new audience. But then they're trying to mark, try and cash in on that same audience. Sorry, but then they're trying to market and pull in yeah. that new audience, and they're just not as invested. It, you can't, you can't try to leverage nostalgia to the maximum and do something fresh and innovative. You have to pick one or the other. Yeah. It, Walking the fine line is so impossible. I, there's maybe two movies ever that have done it well, and like, like, like Top Gun Maverick might yeah. be a good one. Yeah, I'd be like that, and maybe like Blade Runner twenty forty nine. But like, yeah. even that's a pretty niche fucking audience. Not everybody saw that movie. So you're like, you can see why these big studios want to do that stuff, and I can understand it. But it's like for me, it's like okay, if you're going to do X Men in the Marvel universe, I know, I know, I've I've seen the leaks of who's in Deadpool three, so I know some of what they're doing. Oh, I'm, I haven't seen the leaks. I, I won't spoil it because it's some of them are like it's very heavy spoilers. But I do think that what they're trying to maybe do with Deadpool three is to have a clear break between some of that nostalgia and what Marvel wants to do with the X Men moving forward. Okay, that'd be good. And I'm like, I'm into that. If you can give me nostalgia in a tongue in cheek, sarcastic Deadpool I mean, this way, is, this is also another thing too. Like, if we if we do want to keep going with Wolverine. We need someone other than Hugh Jackman. Hugh Jackman is old as fuck too. Hugh Jackman. He cannot be doing these stunts anymore. Like, like, like him, his knees are bad. Him in Deadpool 3, I think makes sense because like it is specifically making fun of his Wolverine. Exactly. But if we if we want to keep doing Wolverine, we need a fresh take on it again. We do. And he needs to be shorter. I'm going to die on that He needs to be like five foot. Wolverine is a short dude. It's why he, it's part of why his name is Wolverine. It doesn't yeah. make sense for him to be like six foot. It's absurd. Anyway, I'll die on that fucking hill. I do think... There's rumors about the X Men coming into Marvel. Oh, I mean, I mean that, that that's been like confirmed for. No, I mean like there's casting rumors, and like if oh. you if you look it up online, you will spoil some stuff for yourself. So like, don't you know? Tread carefully. Mm. But what I will tell you is, I might look the stuff up. I'll spoil some of the current comics run because I feel like that's fair game right? for Wolverine. Not just Wolverine for the X Men in general. All right, spoiler warning for X Men comics. If you're not reading the current run of comics. Uh, more for you because it's some of the best X-Men that has ever been written. It's fucking excellent. It's, there's a there's a name for what the whole run is called, but I've shrunken it to Krakoa. So basically, without giving away tons and tons and tons, the mutants have finally got themselves a country, a nation. They have an island. It's called Krakoa, and it is the, it is the nation of mutantdom. Oh, cool. Right? And they basically now have like international agreements with other countries. They are their own sovereign nation. They have diplomats. They have embassies. It's a whole thing. And I was like, for me, that is that is the the best possible version of both Charles and um, Eric's dream, right? Xavier and uh, Magneto finally have figured out how to both have what they want, a safe place for mutants that is protected from the rest of the human world. It's very, very good. If they use that as the basis for Marvel's X-Men, we are going to be in for a real treat oh, in the coming years. Oh, that'd be really cool. I suppose that kind of like like works with X-Men and mutants still being kind of separate to the yeah. MCU. There's a way to do it that like 
you can have them in that universe without it being like, well, where have they been for the last 20 years? Like you could have fresh mutantdom appearing in, in real time in the current Marvel universe. I mean, you could also have mutant, like a mu- DNA mutations starting to happen from maybe, maybe either the Thanos snap or probably more yeah. realistically the multiverse opening up. Well, they, they already have. I don't know if you're aware of the Miss Marvel show. Uh, not, oh, not every, they did talk about yeah. mutant DNA in that. They I, specifically said the word mutant. It's the first time in yeah. the MCU they've said the word mutant, yep. and they have confirmed that Kamala is a mutant. Bit of nerdiness. I love this. This is so funny. For those of us who read the comics, this is particularly entertaining because in the comics, because Fox owned the rights to the X-Men, when Kamala was introduced as Miss Marvel, she was not a mutant. She was an inhuman the only oh. reason that the Inhumans are the way that they are and the reason Kamala was one is because Fox owned the rights to the X-Men and they did not want to give them a brand new character. So if that hadn't happened, Kamala would have been a mutant. That was the point all along, right? But they, were, they didn't want to do that because that was handing Fox a brand new character. Yeah. Because Disney owns the rights again, they can make her a mutant instead of an inhuman. So now we're in this weird situation of like- We're, we're getting what she was meant to yeah, be. Yeah, and the inhumans in the are MCU. canon, but it's like, she's not, she's a mutant and she's the first mutant and that is particularly interesting. So she may not she may not chronologically be the first mutant, but she is the first She's the mutant. first like established yeah, mutant. Yeah, she's the now. first time anyone has used the word mutant in reference to her having different DNA, right? It opens up a whole realm of like, there are probably other mutants in the MCU we just don't know who they are. Yeah. They may not know that they're mutants, etc. Et then we might have some characters who are retroactively exactly. mutants. And I'm and kind of it would make I'm like, sense. You can that to me, that's that fresh coat of paint. You can do some really innovative shit there where like I'm I wasn't necessarily interested in Miss Marvel as a character up until now. Now I'm like, oh shit, what does Miss Marvel look like when her life is different because she's a mutant, not yeah. just because she has powers? Yeah. That's interesting. You know, when if you're going to bring it in and go, you all know who Wolverine is. Let's not do a whole movie doing the backstory of what we've done this, right? Yeah. If you can introduce me to a brand new actor playing a role and then be like, that's Wolverine. I might go, oh shit. Because that'd be cool. Because you could have a movie where, where like, you know, if you follow Ms. Marvel or, or MCU or another character and have this character that's along as a side character the entire movie and it's revealed at the end that they have the Wolverine clause. And then, like, Wild. and then they're going to be sticking around for a bit. You've already like kind of met them a little bit, but not knowing them as Wolverine, and now you now you realize they're Wolverine, and that there's stuff that's going to be happening there. And how does it relate to the rest yeah, of the stuff? It's yeah, that'd be fucking cool. So you, you get that, what I mean? That would hook me in. If if it's not necessarily that we're getting uh, tired or jaded or or we're over cape cinema, it's not that. I think it's that we're very over the way that Marvel makes movies. Yeah. Guardians of the Galaxy 3 was good. I enjoyed it. I cried a little bit. It was a very good movie. James Gunn really knocked that one out of the park. But it also, for me, kind of serves as like a, an epilogue to that type of Marvel film. Yeah. Like I'm un, like if they do a Guardians 4, I'm unlikely to be as excited. Well, they're going to do a legendary Star-Lord movie. Yeah. And like I might be interested in that if the way they market that shows me that it's not the same. I think James Gunn probably recognizes that it would need to be different. Oh, I don't. I don't know if he'll be doing it because his whole DC thing. Like, I don't think 
he's allowed. Didn't he write the script though for the thing that got leaked? He he might have written it, but I don't think he's going to direct for Marvel anymore. I don't think mm. he's like allowed to. Yeah, I suppose that would be like a, a huge direct conflict of interest. Massive, because he's he's now in he, Kevin's position he, for DC. He's now very much specifically competing with them. Yeah, he's the voice of God for DC. And I mean, okay, to be fair, they have both publicly talked about not being in direct competition. They both make a similar product for a similar audience, but they they see it more as like the comics do. It should be a collaboration. Yeah, right? we're both trying to do something interesting. Well, I suppose too. Like if, if oh wait no, no, no like I'm thinking about X Men, um, but that's on DC, so never mind. <laughs> no, yeah, that's well exactly. Was Fox is now Disney has always been Marvel. Yeah, I I I, I think that. There is room for more of these stories. I'm not over it yet. I understand why people are saying stuff like that, but I do think Across the Spider-Verse really proves that there is very much still water in this well. Oh, yeah. I I, I don't know what the future looks like. I don't know five years from now if we're going to be getting Iron Man 5 and it's a different Iron Man and blah, 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 blah. I think if we do get another Iron Man, again, it's going to be like a re-entry, like fresh reboot. I mean, we do have... um, I forget the character's name, but uh, the new like Iron Girl, Iron Ironheart, Ironheart. That's it. Yeah. So something's gonna happen there. Well, there's there's a TV show, Armor Wars. Uh, this is like I'm. Oh God, I fucking, I'm so nerdy. Uh, if you've been watching Secret in Secret Invasion, the current Marvel show with Samuel Jackson as Fury, blah 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 blah. With the AI generated intro. Yeah, yeah. Just let's not fuck. We'll do an episode about that later. Oh my God. The, minor spoilers. I don't think it's really spoilers. One of the characters is Rhodey. Yep. Who plays uh, War, War Machine. He, in the show, is not who we think he is. He is someone else. And I think if you know anything about the show, that's probably a big spoiler. So, well, big spoiler. Yeah. yeah, yeah no, if I, you I, didn't I, figure it out in the first episode, that's on you. But also, if you know what Secret Invasion is, yeah, and you've just yeah. said that, that's a big spoiler. Ah, they already know. <laughs> so, uh, I'm not going to give it away heaps. Anyway, big spoiler. The... Because of this, the upcoming already announced show Armor Wars, which also stars Rhodey, is now significantly more interesting. Uh, because at first I was like, I don't really give a shit about Armor Wars. Whatever, man. Yeah. Now I'm like, ooh. So there is room for innovation. There's room to do stuff with these characters that we're not expecting. There's room to get weird and creative with it. And I'm oh, yeah. into that. Oh, yeah. 100%. If, if we're going to get multiple uh, I Iron mean- Man, if we're going to get new you know captain america 4 has had two title changes already and they haven't even started filming the thing <laughs> that i'm like what okay. is it brave new world brave new world yeah. yeah i think it's it was new world order and now it's brave new world and it's it's likely to change again before it comes out i mean it's the kind of thing too where like specifically with the mcu i keep falling off it i watched the first episode of secret invasion i was like eh, not gonna keep watching it but then i found out about the roadie thing yeah and that pulled me back in because like oh that's interesting yeah yeah. And there's there's a couple more moments like that where you're like, oh, okay, or right, you got me, you got me. I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll watch another one. It's stuff like that. I don't know what the answer is. I I tell you, it's definitely not AI generated horse shit. But but there is room for these stories to continue. I do think the age of the two hundred and fifty million dollar blockbuster needs to be finished. And if it isn't already, it's going to be very shortly, thanks to things like which is Star a shame Destiny. because like there have been some really great ones. Like my my favorite go to for that is. Mad Max Fury Road. That's a $250 million yeah, but, movie. But hard like, disagree. Hard disagree. Mad Max Fury Road is a $250, $250 million extravaganza because it went badly. So that that most... Because it was in like development hell for ages? Yeah, it was in development hell. Um, 
We we I think we talked about this in we, the episode, right? I'm pretty right? sure we did. Yeah, the budget was massive because shit kept going wrong, and they had to spend more money to fix it. Right? The difference between okay, so it's, so it's a bit of an outlier. It's then. a bit of an outlier. Most films that are two hundred fifty million dollars or around that benchmark are that expensive, not because things are going wrong, or because they need to be that expensive. They're that expensive because the actors are getting paid a shitload of money. There's a lot of marketing involved. It's and there's a shitload of CGI and CGI. The, BFX, CG, the CGI one is a big one. It's very expensive and rightly so. But this is where it's a problem, right? You, we should we shouldn't need to make more movies where we need to de-age the main character yeah, for half the movie. Yeah, we're, it's getting stupid, and it's to the point where, uh, as a creative and as a producer, it fucks me right off because the there's no room in the market anymore for films that are under two hundred million dollars, but above ten million. Right, you're either doing right. something so cheap, They're like a medium mid size, right? Yeah, because if you're doing it sub ten million, which okay for the listeners out there who don't really who haven't like looked into film finance, ten million seems like an absolutely outrageous sum of money if you're earning minimum wage. It, well, you know, which it is. It let's is. be real. When you do the math on how what it takes to make a film, ten million dollars is about it's about average. Like that's pretty accurate, right? A cheap movie in Australia, for example. Will cost well, about two, you know, to five, two to two to two point five million is the floor. The same thing is kind of happening in games, right? Very much so. Like, Very the, much like, so. Uh, like through like the Microsoft FTC stuff. Um, I think it was leaked the budgets for The Last of Us two and maybe Uncharted. One of them. They were both like two hundred two hundred fifty million dollars yeah. over the course of its development. And like to me, that's not surprising. That doesn't make sense knowing that the size of that game and how long it's been in development. And like everything involved to make a game like that, that checks out. But it's, but it's the same thing too, though. Where like games is a business, everything is live service, everything is microtransactions, everything is seasons and battle passes. Starfield is coming out. Bethesda, it's their first big release since Skyrim. No, since Fallout Four yeah. in in 2015. Oh, maybe Fallout 76, but that's also slightly different. Barely counts. Yeah, yeah. So it's been in development. It, it will it will have been in development since before then, but yeah. it's been eight years since the last big release. That amount of time and that amount of budget for a single player game with no other uh, like financial model for it other than DLC. Unfortunately, that that's my favorite kind of game, but like that's not realistic and that's not going to be an established thing and people aren't going to go people aren't going to invest in a game that takes eight years to make yeah it's it's a problem and it's like that's kind of where i guess one of the the again the lines are blurring right games are that expensive for a reason so film films are getting that expensive and the reason is not the same and it's starting to get weird because when you have a 250 million dollar movie we in industry call it a tentpole film and the reason it's called that is that film is expected to make so much money that it's going to hold up the giant circus tent full of all the films that didn't make any money. So you need oh, your tentpole movie because if you're $250 million- To help support all the bombs. Exactly. You might make uh, five really expensive, really good movies and you might only make one ludicrously expensive movie. But that ludicrously expensive movie is that expensive because you know it's going to make a billion dollars. And that billion dollars is going to pay for the other five movies, right? It's interesting. Like even with, even with projecting like how much movie, uh, how much money a movie is going to make or a game is going to make, you know, the studio execs and all the marketing and all, all the people who uh, project that think they know. No one ever actually knows. knows. Yeah, it's I mean, all made up. I mean, um, Hogwarts Legacy, the game, that made a fuck ton of money. That made a fuck ton more money than they predicted. Yeah. But then like Indiana Jones and the, and the Dial of Destiny... 
made like only, quote unquote, only $40 million in opening weekend. Yeah. Which is not good. For, for, for the budget of that movie, that's not good. That's still an, an, an extraordinary amount of money. But for what they're looking for, it doesn't even come close no. to... to um, Harrison Ford was paid more than that to be in the movie. Yeah. So they haven't even covered the cost of paying the lead actor. So to put that in perspective, the reason that this is problematic is back in the day, and I say back in the day, not even that long ago, 15 years ago, having a movie cost $250 million was already insane. So the reason it was $250 million is because you had to have a stacked fucking cast. And you knew that because it was a stacked cast and it was a it was a solid IP and the marketing was there and blah, 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 you knew you were going to make your money and it was going to be okay. Yeah. And that freed you up to do the cheaper, smaller films that may not make any money, but you wanted to make those films. They're worth making. <laughs> I do one for them, one for me. Yeah. yeah. That started to go away. And what we're seeing is these massive studios are putting out five to six of these insane movies a year and that's their whole business. They're not doing these smaller or mid-sized movies anymore. So if you're like me and you're you're an independent producer, you're trying to make a film, you're sort of screwed. It's, it's so much harder for you now. Yeah. I'm not competing with five other five to $10 million movies. I'm competing with across the fucking Spider-Verse. How is my little $2.5 million Australian film supposed to make money at the box office when every man and their dog is going to go see Across the Spider-Verse? Fair enough. It's an incredible movie. I can't begrudge them that. But Are you talking about Talk To Me now? Well, yeah, kind of. Because yeah. I'm like, you're looking at this going, there's there's going to be, what, seven I mean, I mean, multi I mean, that $200 movie, million dollar movies that, out this that, year. Like, I mean, you want to talk about that movie as a specific example, which for context for listeners, Talk To Me is a new Australian horror movie that just came out. Um, it was made by a couple... It, it was made and then picked up and bought by A24. Yeah. But, and, and, and that's a small budget movie, a couple million dollars. Relatively, but sm- but yeah. small yeah, budget. Yeah. The only reason that could work is by fucking knocking it out of the park yeah. to the point where A24 wants to buy it and and market it and distribute it and you screen it at Cannes or TIFF or wherever, or wherever it was and you gain the attention yeah. of all the big leagues. Yeah, they were at uh, Sundance, I think it was. Yeah. But that, that, that's like a one in a million shot. Yeah, and that's the thing. And and it, you have to like absolutely yeah. fucking nail it. Yeah, and you can't, you can't bank on that as a creative because even if everything goes well and you do knock it out of the park and it's 11 out of 10 and you're like, this, this is my fucking magnum opus, what a movie. You release it the same week as Across the Spider-Verse, you're in deep shit. Yeah. And the problem, the problem I'm getting at is that it used to be two or three times a year max. You would get like a big Christmas movie. You might get a, uh, what they would call a summer blockbuster movie, yep, which like for us school would holidays. be mid-year, right? Yeah. yeah, school holidays. You'd have maybe two or three of these a year. And as long as you didn't release your $2 million film the same week as one of those, you were going to be okay. But now there's a big, big, big blockbuster movie like every month. Yeah, you're fucked. There's no room in the schedule for little films anymore. So I'm I'm having those conversations with distributors right now about other films going we we don't we love your movie. We think it's very cool. We think it's going to make money, but we don't know where to put it in the release schedule. There's no spot in the calendar for next year that looks like a safe spot for a movie like this. They look at it and go, "Listen, you're better off putting it on streaming because if you try to put it in theaters, you're going to be going up against the new Spider-Man, the new Star Wars, the new Marvel, the new whatever. Like, and you're then, screwed. Then, and then also, it's a problem with streamers. It's the same thing as releasing a new game on Steam. Yeah. Within a week, it's buried and no one knows about yeah. it. You're just pissing in an ocean of piss like, at like, like yeah. Un- yeah. Unless you are specifically doing a huge marketing campaign, you can release something on Netflix, but like a couple days after it releases, and it's n- if it's not in the top 10 most watched, people aren't going to find it. Yeah. People just won't see it. 
It's 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 really sad. Yeah, I'd I'd like to see like us the, like the Steam. There's thousands of games releasing every single day. Yeah, every if, day, if, every day. If you like get in like the top ten like new and trending, if you're lucky enough to get even just that spot, that's a, that's a feat in itself. Yeah, I, I I would like to see us heading in a direction where maybe we do still have room for these big two hundred fifty million dollar movies, but maybe we go back to one or two a year, and it's like let's not have a new Star Wars and a new Marvel every six months. Let's do it every few years, right? Like let's let's go back to that because it means that there's more room for smaller films. There's more, it's more sensible to be able to go, listen, my film might cost 3 million and it might only make 4 million at the box office yeah. worldwide. And right now that would be incredible, but almost impossible. If I'm not having to compete with these giant blockbusters, I'm much more likely to be able to have a sustainable career as a filmmaker. Right, and I'm like, that's kind of where I'm headed. Is like, what if the future of this is not that every single major movie has to be a nostalgia reboot, remake, whatever the fuck, and it's two hundred million dollars and it's got all your favorite actors in it? Yeah. No, fuck that. Instead, let's go back to doing thirty million dollar movies that are incredible and have one or two major standout performances and they win awards, and that serves as a beacon I mean, for someone like me to I'll go. I'll I can have shows. a career like that. Award shows are also like another aspect of that. That's kind of like contributing to why it's all a little bit fucked. Yeah. That's a whole other tangent. Don't have time to go into it yeah, now, yeah. but like it, uh, yeah, there's definitely been like a shift in there's the industry shift. Yeah, yeah. That, that unfortunately uh, has shifted away from the smaller, uh, yeah. like little guy kind of production where like it's so much harder to break in and actually like establish yourself and compete with all these fucking insane movies yeah I, that's, I, not to, that's not to mean that like all these movies aren't good there's plenty of them that I love oh, a lot of them are great Spider-Verse being a, a prime example of that yeah but like in terms of the place in the industry it's it's really hard to see where how things are gonna improve yeah I, I like I don't like yeah to bring it back to Spider-Verse right I'm like I'm excited about the third one I'm pumped for it like I'm I, I, I love that movie I'm 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 on board I'm 100% on board but I'm also of the opinion that when that next one comes out early next year, maybe Spider-Man does need a couple years break before we get another Spider-Man movie. Well, I think I think we're getting a bit of a break uh, before the next MCU one as well. Yeah. yeah. And I'm like, maybe we need that. Yeah. Give, give us a bit more space to have these smaller movies doing different things. Oh, do we say that? We're also getting Spider-Man 2 soon. So like yeah. Spider-Man is still very much like yeah. going hard right yeah. now. The, 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 the IP is still very strong. Yeah. Right? But I just, what I'm, I guess what I'm getting at is like, we don't need to be, uh, you know, beating a dead horse constantly. We don't need a brand new Marvel film that feels like it's cut from the same bit of dough every six months. We don't need that. You can still get me excited for a $250 million movie if it's doing something innovative and interesting. And yeah. that's like Across the Spider-Verse does that so well. But if you were to say, we're going to do an animated Spider-Man film that looks like this every year for the next five years... I'm That's not sustainable. I'm not excited about that. No. I'm not pumped about that. I mean, like, I, I think Tom Cruise came out recently saying, like, he wants to keep make, making Mission Impossible movies until it's 80. I'm like, I'm not going to watch that many Mission Impossible movies. You better not. Old men doing stunts, I'm over it. Seriously. And, like, okay, yeah, we could do a whole episode on that. But the, the Mission Impossible movies are often good, not always, but often good because they know how ridiculous they are. Yeah. Right? If you can maintain that until you're 80, sure. But if if what he means by that is we're gonna keep what going he, bigger. What he means is bigger yeah. stunts. Like that's that's what he's doing. Yeah. And I'm like, first of all, Tom, you know, I respect what you do. 
I think it's silly that you do your own stunts. I do, but I respect it. I understand why you do it. If you think you're doing that stuff at 80 and you're still going to be insurable and that audiences are still going to buy into it, I think you're kidding yourself. If you want to do more, you're going to have to innovate. It's going to have to be something we haven't seen before for the same reason as like the Marvel and the Star Wars situation. You, You can't spend that much money on a product when it's not really worth that much money. Like it may have cost that to make it, but that's not what it's worth. The I mean, audience that, isn't going to buy that's into That's also that. what's going to decide if it does keep happening. Exactly. Or not. Yeah. Basically Which like we're it. seeing with Indiana Jones. We are literally seeing that the audience is going. You guys think you made a two hundred and fifty million dollar extravaganza? What you made was a forty million dollar laughing stock. Yeah. You 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 have not made the film that you thought you had made, and that's a very hard wake up call for a lot of them. And of course, it, because it's the studio making it, they're like, "Who gives a shit? We'll make that back in six months. It's fine." But as the audience, you're like, yeah, but what you've actually done is you've made me less interested in Indiana Jones and I quite like the brand of Indiana Jones. I'm a still, I will still the, rewatch the, other the thing, first three. The other thing too is like, you would ho- hopefully, I don't think it is actually happening, but like audiences could be like looking at, I don't know who made Indiana Jones, if it's Fox or MGM or, or Warner Brothers or whoever. Um, but like, okay, well, if this uh, company is going to keep doing this kind of stuff, then I'm less interested to see whatever else this company does. Yeah. I, that, I mean, that happens in games all the time. Look at Cyberpunk. Oh, 100%. Hunt, oh, man. If you see a studio fall from grace faster than that, my goodness. CD Projekt Red shot themselves in the foot so hard. They In the same article, they said they wanted the, to um, uh, make good with the player base. And in that same article, gaslighting everyone to be like, oh, no, the Cyberpunk launch wasn't that bad, actually. It was just an overreaction from the audience. I'm like, but are, an, you, are, yeah. are you kidding? An overreaction from the audience is, is not an overreaction. No. That's, that's the audience reaction they is that legitimate. In, they said that in the same article yeah. as trying to make peace. You can't. It's marketing they, spin. They, you can't. They're shooting themselves in the foot even more. I don't understand it. It's insane. Yeah. But anyway, this has been <laughs> Spider-Man Miles Morales and Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. Hope you've listened. Um, I keep forgetting to do this at the end of episodes, but we have Twitter and Instagram where we promote episodes and post a bunch of stuff. It's at Show, Picks and Flicks spelt with an X. Um give us a follow if you like uh, if you have suggestions for episode pairings or other types of episodes please let us know we'd love to see what you yeah. think uh, we are thinking about doing different types of episodes where maybe we do like like just a game or just a movie and do like a deep dive like breakdown analysis of it we want to do more like industry news episodes um, it's going to be ma- mainly a factor of how much time we have yeah. Uh, yeah. that we can afford to do it but we definitely want to be doing a lot more stuff um yeah, we had a break between between the last episode because I was moving and we both got sick. But want to be doing this as much or like as often as we are able. Because so, we love it. We love yeah. it. Yeah. Fuck yeah. Hope you enjoyed and we'll catch you next time. Bye. Bye.